Guys, um, do you, I mean, we're doing a satanic panic show today, right? Mm-hmm. This is our showdown. Do you guys yeah. um, want my uh, my recipe for holy water? Sure. Uh, sure, Brian. Yep. Me... You just take it. It's easy. You just take a gallon of water. You boil the hell out of it. <laughs> Welcome, <laughs> boys and girls, to a fucking oh, showdown September episode. <laughs> I wish forever. We're fucking here, guys. I'm Brian. I'm Meg. I'm Steve. Guys, it's Halloween. I don't care what the fuck you say. It is September the 5th right now, and that's Halloween. I am actively, I am surrounded by uh, uh, fake spiders, and I'm just eating, I'm actively eating candy corn, drinking pumpkin ale. I'm here these are very unsurprising Halloween, things. you guys, right now. <laughs> you know what? We're all just horny for Halloween uh, here. I, I mean, you're going to get used to this sound. Because it's me Steve eating fucking candy is, corn. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah, Steve already hears me chomping down on bullshit on every yeah. damn episode. I had a friend, and he is not into this whole Halloween early kind of shit. Okay. He's very upset about it. So he's a fucking um, dork, is what you're saying. Right. He's a dork. Right. Yeah. Total dork. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, I was over his house and I went in his bathroom and he had a spider in his bathroom, yeah. which made me come out screaming, it's spooktember, you have a spider in your bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> You've already decorated. It's you can't remember, baby. <laughs> he got Weird. the wrong message, though, and he's like, yeah, no, we're going to go with real. Like, maybe he's actually the real deal. He's, I'm just going to put real <laughs> spooky spiders all over my house. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got real ghosts. Um, I do real, you know, satanic rituals, um, which we're going to get into here tonight, guys, because we this is our really our first of two true spooky season showdown episodes. For those of you who are familiar with the old podcast here, we do an episode every damn week. Uh, but once a month, first Monday of the month, in this instance, first Tuesday of the month, because Monday was, uh, which is today, is Labor Day. So we had some, you know, you know, we got to we got to avoid labor. I don't know. Um, so <laughs> we are going to release it on Tuesday, which is probably why you're listening to it right now, or at least when it was released. Um, but every Monday of the month first Monday of the month, we do a showdown episode where we pick a topic. We actually pick three topics from a big, long list of topics, which I have a couple of new topics that people have suggested to me, which are really, really good, um, which I need to, I forgot to tell you to add to the list, but that's all right. Yeah. We got a couple of weeks well, before we have to worry about that. I just want to go back because last week we talked about one that was horniest horror. Horniest horror. Yeah. How did we not come up with that? I know. I know. Someone I know. messaged me and said that they actually, it was the pizza folks. Because oh, I was, yeah. I was kind of like hitting on mm-hmm. them via crust, uh, yeah. pizza crust, and yeah. uh, they were like, "We want that one," and I said, "You know what? Me too." But mm-hmm. we also already talk so much about horny things on this the show, so it yeah. seems like a no brainer. Horniness and horror, um, and Satanism, and just you know, being you know free and open with your sexuality and not being tied down by the binds of organized religion and 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 the patriarchy here guys we're trying to get fucking horny this halloween season (laughs) you guys i'm going super sexy costume this year i already decided um not sure what it's gonna be thinking it's just gonna be a sock 
Just gonna put a sock over my junk. That's it. Smear myself in common period blood and put put a sock over my dick. I was gonna I was gonna say, are you just gonna go as Sam from the trick or treat movie since that's being released, but it has oh. the butt cut out. <laughs> oh my god. Just a just a not that hairy butt hanging Leather out. Leather trap Halloween, you know. A little bit hairy, but not that hairy. Um <laughs> yeah. So, um, yes, uh, I can't believe we didn't think of that topic before, um, but it is going to be a very fun topic, but there's so many directions we could go. Um, but there was a couple other ones which are escaping me right now, but we'll, we'll add them out of the list before, um, before we do our, uh, our next showdown, which if we're going to do John Carpenter, the John Carpenter wheel of death again this year for, uh, for October, then it won't be until November. Um, which is fine. But, uh, any case for those of you who are new to the show, because this time of year we get a whole lot of new listeners. So welcome all you freeloading fucks, um, (laughs) to the podcast. Um, here's how it goes. Every single week we got an episode drops for you on Monday, except for this week, which is a Tuesday and last week because we fucked up. (laughs) Don't worry. Last week we gave your money back. Don't worry about it. This one, it's a it's a bank holiday, guys. We have to respect that. So um, what we do is we do a mini shows every week. But the the first Monday of the month, we do a showdown episode. So we have all these different topics that people have suggested or that we've come up with. And then Steve puts them on this big old spinny ass wheel. We spin it. We pick three of them. We put it out on the social medias for all of our social media followers and friends and listeners to vote on. They pick their favorite topic. Once we have the topic, we each pick a movie that's associated with that topic. Then, just like we're going to do motherfucking today... We argue, we each pick a film that's associated with it. I already said that. And then we argue about it. We talk about the movies. We decide whose movie is the best. We vote. And then whoever's movie reigns supreme, they get to carry around that motherfucking strap for the month. And right now, guys, we're in September. This is fucking crunch time. All right. October is like the fucking Super Bowl with spooky shit. September is like the, the, the playoffs. I don't know how you want to describe that with some sort of sports analogy. But uh, this is a big one, guys. It's a big one. And we came up with, or more to the point, our listeners selected for us, Satanic Panic uh, for the September showdown topic. So we each picked a movie, which we did have to specify has to be, we're, we're talking about Satan, right? We're not talking about some bitch ass, like subordinate demons, right? We're not talking about like little, some little trickster demons. We're talking about the big guy, right? His infernal majesty. We're talking about the big guy with the pointy red ears, right? That's how I like to, that's how I worship him. That's how I, I said something terrible again. I've been kicking off each one of the episodes by also almost saying something terrible and I'll hold on to it until you're suckered into we've lured you into the podcast then i'll say uh, horribly inappropriate things about having sex with satan guys we <laughs> are here let's recap real quick before we get into all the beers and all the th- other things we have to do uh what movies we're going to talk about so if you've not seen these movies before shame on you right you're gonna spoil the hell out of them the newest movie here is steve's which came out in like 1987 so right it's 87 86 yep. something like that yep. um yep so, Steve, you are doing what? Tell tell, tell the listeners what movie you're going to be talking about today. I uh, I headed off the John Carpenter Wheel of Death at the pass and picked mm. the Prince of Darkness. It's a fucking so jam. It. It's mine. It, so good. It's a jam. I watched it outside with my projector on the 
on the the uh, the side of my house with my my big outdoor screen there. Me and my brother uh, got drunk and watched it the other night. Uh, it was a blast. Love that movie. Never fails to satisfy. Uh, Meg, what do you what are you doing here? Little yeah. little change of pace. A little change of pace, but uh, definitely delicious. Uh, the mm. 1968 banger, Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary's Baby, classic, classic of the genre. Uh, great, great flick. Watched it again last night for, I've probably seen that movie. Um, I'm not trying to exaggerate. I would say probably five or six times, I would say. It's one of those ones that's like perpetually in the zeitgeist because it's like this very uh, uh, almost art housey type of movie, but it's also like scary and, and well-written and well-directed and based on a novel. Um, I watched or I chose and watched watched um i've probably seen the movie that i'm talking about the least out of these three i think this is probably only maybe like the third or fourth time i've seen it mm-hmm. which is 1976's the omen this was uh, my first watch i didn't even I haven't even seen the newer one either so uh, the newer one sucks you can miss it <laughs> I, I could imagine yeah I could you imagine can miss based it. on this one you can miss me with all that the shit things yo. that the original all the ones all the stuff the original does uh that's good just forget all that. It's that's pretty much what the fucking two what is it? Two thousand two thousand six. Six because yeah, it yeah. came out on six oh six oh six. Oh my god, I know. Oh, Fuck did that movie suck? It just was a shittier version of the original. Uh it was really mm-hmm. awful. Anyway, uh the original, like I said, it's probably only maybe I'm gonna say like maybe my fourth watch. So um came to appreciate it even more, but we got three goddamn bangers to talk about for you. So again, we're gonna spoil the hell out of these movies, but when the, the oldest one is like thirty-five youngest one is thirty-five years old, you know. Um fuck off with that noise because we can spoil the hell out of it um <laughs> all right before we do that though guys do we got beers we want to talk about now i got beers what you I got, got? beers i got i'm getting into this September series i got <laughs> an octoberfest my first of the year Ooh. your first octoberfest of the year yeah yeah hmm. i try i try to hold them off until proper months i'm not drinking octoberfest in august i'm not drinking pumpkins in july uh, but yeah, I got the uh, the Peter Straub signature series. <laughs> Ooh, Peter Straub, my guy. Is it a diacetyl bomb? Because the last couple times I've had Straub, it's been a diacetyl bomb. It's not terrible. I can smell yeah. it from here. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's fine. It's yeah. fine. I picked fine. it up just as to pick one up and fill out a six pack. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's been forever since I've had anything from Straub. They yeah. they do have one that I like. That's it's not an Oktoberfest, but it's uh, I think it's called the Rail Runner or something like that. It's another Ooh, I don't one. Think of their, I've had them. It's another one of their is signature it, is it like series a ones. Get railed because I feel like it probably came out around when that was appropriate. <laughs> that's eerie rail bender, Meg. Uh, oh yeah, that's right, rail bender. I forgot about that beer. The last time I had Straub, uh, the last time I had a Straub beer that I really dug was I had a. I had, um, oh yes, yes, yes. The, the, the Groundhog Day, the alt beer that they have. Oh, I think it's okay. just called like Groundhog Alt or something like that. Sure. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty solid. Um, but then actually not this past July, but the July before when I went to, um, the Moaning Drive-In, mm-hmm. um, I took, uh, a bunch of beer and on the way we were like, oh, we don't really have anything like light and crushable and it's supposed to be literally 100 degrees so we stopped at a beer distributor out that way because we're like hey when in rome you know we're in straub country i grabbed myself a damn i think they do 15 packs i don't remember if it's 12 or 15 pack of straub light 
Mm. It was a fucking diacetyl bomb. Oh god, oh, that's like god. the worst beer to like even have that in. Like there's, totally, there's it's nothing just all else. you taste. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing else there. Yeah, oh. and I, I just oh. gave them. I just gave them to people. I just gave them out to uh, to <laughs> to everyone else at the drive-in. Which I'm sorry I, here. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what I said. I was just like, hey, beer, free beer. You want a beer? You want a beer? Like when we just you know because you're like talking to people between shows. It was at the drive-in jamboree, so it was like a very social thing. No and one's ever gonna trust getting a beer from you ever again. Or the like, maybe oh, I like. Told them. I, I was straight up with them. I was like, they were like, what's this? Like, cause I just had a cooler, you know, full of beer. I was like, yeah, help yourself. And there was like people who came and then they ended up staying that weren't planning on staying. So they didn't have enough beer. So I was like, we have fuck loads of beer, like help yourselves. So even like people who were like hanging out the way, came over and be like, Hey, can we grab a couple more beers? I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. Grab those drops in there. I was like, they ain't that good. And they're like, that's all right. They're free. It's the back <laughs> so, of the fridge beer, you know, yeah, that's yeah. what it it's is. It's the ones you're just hoping you trick friends into accidentally drinking. Oh yeah. Um, which is a shame because I do kind of, you know, I've always had affinity for straw, but man, last two times I've had it, it's been a fucking diacetyl bomb. Mm. Um, yeah. What do you got? Uh, I snagged out of the fridge because my roommate works for Hitchhiker. I grabbed a mm. bane of existence. Oh, mm. Brian, it's a good solid one to go to. <laughs> um, just joking. It's pretty solid. It tastes really good. It's nice to get like good fresh Hitchhiker. I don't really get over there that often, surprisingly yeah. enough. So um, it's pretty solid. Nice little yeah. IPA there. They do a little one in them, little little IPAs over there. A couple two tree IPAs. I always oh, like that beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going, like I said, straight up September basic bitch. I don't know if you guys can see. <laughs> I can't get this up here. My brother brought this up for me. It's always a good one. It's uh, Schlafly pumpkin mm. ale. Oh. So this is like... And we were drinking these the other night when we were watching Prince of Darkness outside. Me and my brother, like I said, we're sitting out on lawn chairs watching movies in the yard, getting hammered. And uh, uh, I had a six pack or a four pack rather of pumpkin, which Meg, trigger warning, sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> my instant cringe face. Like I, well, I just, I, instantly smell it in my nose. I you know? know. I always get one. Ooh. It's just I, it's such an like I've been drinking it since I was like in college. So I was like, OK, I always got to get my four same. pack of it. I've definitely um, puked that one up before. Yeah, That's same, not. same. Oh. Back when it was bombers. Oh, oh back when it was oh, yeah. bombers. Oh, oh fuck I yeah. You're like, you can't up. not drink a 22 ounce of this. Yeah, and I would open two of them and then I would and get, then all black, get all black, get all sloshed. Yeah, I <laughs> may have blacked out one time. I, uh, yeah. And then you're drinking Southern Comfort shots on top of that because you're in college. <laughs> so you're doing like SoCo and lime and you're chasing it with pumpkin. It's a whole thing. Um, Man. My 20s were rough too, man. (laughs) We (laughs) had these side by side for the first time ever. And this is a big boy too. It's uh it's eight percent, so it's not quite oh. as big as uh pumpkin, which is like almost nine, right? Or eight and a half or something like that. Yeah, it's like nine ten, because they they've pretty much standardized all the dessert treat shit to the nine ten. Yeah. So yeah. this is why. eight, so it's a little lower, but good God, this beer is so much drier and more palatable than pumpkin pumpkin mm-hmm. is super sweet and if you're in the mood for that cool but this beer has got all the spice character it's got more malt less residual carbohydrates and uh, i just i schlafly pumpkin ale fucking rules if you're looking for a big old pumpkin beer so mm-hmm. that's what i'm going for but we can't get schlafly up here they do a lot of really good um uh, continental lager beers too so um i always did, seek them out when Steve i can sloan work for them I think he did. Now that you mentioned that, that sounds really familiar. Sounds actually, familiar. Um, 
Yeah, because I feel like I've just heard their name and positive things associated. But yeah, that sounds yeah, they're bomb from, now. They're from St. Louis. Um, sounds about right. Which is not a great city. Um, but the beers. <laughs> my experience. Coming in my, strong. In my experience, not a fan. We are going to have um, zero fans in uh, St. Louis now. Thanks. People who live in St. Louis now. They know what they're dealing with. It ain't great. There's some cool, I'm sure there's some cool areas, right? But overall, not great. I feel, I feel like I have a missed opportunity because you're drinking Schlafly. And I mm. in my fridge, I have an O'Fallon vanilla pumpkin. Mm. We yeah, could have yeah. been drinking St. Louis punkies, but St. Louis I don't start. I don't start. I don't start this early. <laughs> You guys are I don't, sta- I don't start. Sh- I don't start shit. I just finish it. That's yeah, what I don't start this early. <laughs> We've got beers out of the way. One other thing that we'll say in preparation for the heart of spooky season, which of course starts um, on twelve oh one a.m. on October first, we are going to do a, a cool little live show type situation, little Halloween party type scenario. More details to come. We're still finalizing some of those details and times and all that sort of thing. But if you are interested and if you are in um, driving uh, distance or flying or whatever you want to do, I don't give a shit how you get there. But if you have any aspirations of coming to beautiful Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on the weekend of All Hallows Eve, specifically Saturday, the 29th of October, uh, the year of our Lord, 2022. Oh, let me get that little pumpkin belch out. We are going to do a goddamn uh, fun show out there. We're going to be all dressed up. Again, we're going to hell Satan. We're going to do all the things that we need to do um, to make sure that we're in the good graces of his infernal majesty for the entire year of 2023. You know, here's here's another selling point to save the date. My dog mm. will be dressed up in a costume. Him and I Mm. might be like you know, a costume together. I was going to say, you guys usually do a team situation. This is going to be a big deal. And I'm not going to reveal it until that show. He's a cute boy. Um, Last time we did a live show, he literally just sat in a chair like a human the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) And watched. Everyone else just just like hung out with him. And he's just like, I'm just waiting for mom to get done. Uh, Yeah. Pet me. Thanks. He's been there. He's been there, done that. Um, (laughs) I think he drove you home that night. He definitely (laughs) did. Uh, Yeah. I handed over the keys as soon as we got to the venue. (laughs) Um, All right. So more to come on that. But save the date if you're interested, if you're looking for some goddamn uh, Halloween weekend activities that Saturday should be really, really fun. So, um, all right. Um, anything else we need to talk about? I think we're ready to pretty much get in these some bitchin movies, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, um, but now, uh, Meg as the, uh, defending champ with or without an Hands asterisk, up. we're not going to have this conversation <laughs> again. Um, you do get to pick I get to all pick the so rights many and things. privileges. Oh, man. All the rights and privileges of the champ are bestowed upon you, so you do get to choose the order in which we go for our uh, our showdown episode, in which yep. movie we talk about first. You know, I thought long and hard about this. You're a liar. I th- <laughs> Sorry, I'm kind of figuring it out right now. I was going to say, you're stalling so you can think about it. <laughs> no, I was I born want, a night, Meg. Want, it wasn't last night. I want Brian to go first. Okay. I... Want Steve to go second, and I'll go Ooh, third. Ooh, bringing it up, bringing it Let's up. Let's save the, the most end. boring okay. slant one for last. <laughs> wow, I thought I was putting that one first, trying to get it out of the way. Wait, oh, no, it's boring. Come on, Ooh. all that Latin choir singing. Come on. Yeah. All right. 
All right, let's get into it then. It's got dogs. Um, (laughs) They got condemned dogs. We don't do dog ratings. We only do horse ratings. I was going to say no horse ratings or no horses across the board, right? No, no horses. No horses. Although my movie does have uh, a lot of English people and English people at least suggest the presence of horses in the periphery. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe did Damien's pajamas have horses on them? (laughs) Yeah, he might have. Okay, you get a partial point for that from me, Brian. (laughs) Yeah, English people, they love them horses in in a real serious way. So, Mm -hmm. um, all right. Anyway, so yes, let's talk about The Omen from 1976. This is directed by one Mr. Richard Donner. This was pretty much, I mean, you know, legendary director at this point some absolute classics um not necessarily an enormous amount in the um in the horror franchise but certainly some horror adjacent type of movies and then of course a lot of like cult films and action films and stuff like that um this was very much his breakout movie really before this he was doing a lot of tv but a lot of big tv like you go through his uh his um uh filmography of his tv directing it was a lot of like two three six episodes of certain shows but they're like the really prominent shows from like the primarily the 60s right was when he was kind of getting getting uh, uh you know off the ground from a directing perspective but then with this movie this was kind of his big jump off and then after that he had superman uh first two superman movies he did the toy he did goonies uh he did all the lethal weapon films as far as i know um, and then one of my all-time favorite movies, not just holiday movies, but one of my favorite movies of all time, Scrooged, uh, mm-hmm. with Bill Murray, um, which is, in my opinion, a horror movie as well. Um, yeah. it is, it is the, maybe perhaps my, f- my favorite Christmas horror movie, certainly my favorite Christmas horror comedy, which sounds like it would be quite <laughs> a narrow subgenre, but there's a lot of them out there. Um, in any case, uh, yeah, so this was really his like kickoff into feature film, you know, uh, stardom as a director. Um, it stars a uh, legendary actor, Gregory Peck, as uh, to- uh, Robert Thorne, um, which I kept wanting to call him Richard Thorne because he was, I think, because subconsciously he was a dick in the whole movie. <laughs> so I wanted to call him Richard over and over. So I probably will call him Richard, but Robert Thorne. Uh, uh, Lee Remick uh, as uh, Catherine Thorne, um, one little Harvey Stevens as uh, Damien, the son of the devil. There's um, always a Damien, you know, when it comes to all, the devil. Well, this this movie established so many tropes mm. um, that went on into perpetuity, you know, for the next fucking, you know, uh, w- you know, almost half century over quarter century at this point, um, whether it be Damien. The name Damien. There's so many lines in this movie, like "It's all for you, Damien," you know, and all that stuff is like very, um, you know, reference the fall from the banister, you know, from the from the hallway staircase thing. These these are these are like tropes and and things that have been that have been parodied over and over and over again. And this was not the first creepy kid movie, but it was definitely the first big smash creepy kid movie that. Um, I think started a lot of the tropes around Western cinema being obsessed with creepy kids. Um, I think it, it kind of was the, uh, the 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 shove off of that trope, if you will, in my mind. But in any case, uh, you know, so I'll set the stage a little bit here. So Robert is uh, you quickly, he, you know, early in the film, the first few minutes, he's named the uh, American ambassador to England. So he moves 
him and his family over to England. So that's kind of where it's set. It's set in London and in the surrounding, I guess, areas. Eventually, they bounce around Europe a little bit for a few different things we'll talk about. But it starts out with uh, Catherine has given birth um, and uh, Robert is being told that um, they lost the baby during childbirth. Um, Catherine does not know. And as one should never, ever do, he trusts the priest that's just hanging around. Um, and trust an priest, Italian priest. Never. Mm. Don't do Double it. Negative. Mis- Double mistake, negative. Double negative. Mistake. Um, he basically says, hey, um, there's this baby here. Um, no one's claimed it. Free baby, basically, right? It's in the free baby <laughs> basket. A bad move. Like you never yeah. take the free baby. Never take yeah. the free baby. Don't even look in the free baby basket. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's like the lost and found for babies. Don't even mm-hmm. go in there. Um, there's a reason why they're there. <laughs> there's a reason why that baby is in the lost and founds because it's the son of the devil. Um, so he basically says, like, there's this baby has no family. You know, take here, take this baby. And, you know, he's obviously really dreading having to tell his wife who, um, you know, doesn't know what happened. You know, it was a difficult birth from what they understand or something like that. It's not it's kind of implied, but she's not aware. He's like saying, like, you know, she always wanted a kid and they're like, well, you could adopt. And he's like, oh, they wanted to be whatever. So the doctor, uh, I'm sorry, the doctor, the priest basically says, just tell your wife this is your kid. She never has to know. Bingo, bango, bongo. It's going to be great. (laughs) And he's like. Cool. Problem solved. Yes, <laughs> because he's a solved. fucking piece of shit. Yeah. So then life just fast forwards basically through the child's like infancy. Um, Catherine goes on believing it's her uh, biological child. They move to England, um, and you know, like I said, priests did priest stuff. They just you know <laughs> swept it under the rug, um, <laughs> and they raised Amy as their own. Um, so Robert obviously knows Catherine doesn't. Uh, so that's an important thing to clarify. They fast forward to Damien's fifth birthday party. They have, you know, this big fancy mansion. Like I said, he's he's in politics. There's like rumblings and aspirations of him becoming the president of the United States at some point, even like he is very much an up and coming politician, um, but living in the UK, like I said, as an ambassador. So early on in the movie, this movie it seems like it's going to be a slow build. Like it seems like it's going to be a bit of a slow burn, almost changeling like, but no, it hits the ground fucking running early on. They're at the fifth birthday party of Damien, you know, big fancy birthday party. Reminds me of uh, Billy Madison's <laughs> birth, like graduation <laughs> from like first grade yeah. or whatever, where they're all running around. Like it looks like it's that literal like courtyard area mm-hmm. um big rich people house and all i would this really shit. love if billy madison based that like their scenes like off of this movie that <laughs> yeah. would be so perfect yeah. we can make up these fun facts you know yeah we can fiction. we can the origin story yeah um we'll just be like pop-up video you know back on it but we just make shit up completely 100 fabricated so there's this weird dog this like rottweiler um hanging around uh the birthday party creeping everyone out just kind of hanging out in the corner staring at the nanny at Damien's nanny which is you know essentially unnamed at this point you've seen her she's not really playing a significant role and all of a sudden you know during the party Damien's having a blast it's his fifth birthday party and she goes into the house climbs up to like the third floor steps out the window calls everyone's attention and you know basically says I love you Damien it's all for you Damien you know that kind of very iconic mm-hmm. scene look at me Damien it's all for you jumps off mm-hmm. hangs herself 
uh, of course, snaps her neck and then smashes through the big giant rich people window. And everyone <laughs> is just like weirdly chill. Yeah. And it's like a decision, right? Yeah. Because, like, because don't the, cause the, a scene here. Yeah. So it's like this blue blood type. I, I think Ugh. that was very intentional in that it was all about like just shield your eyes, pretend it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like just again, this sweeping under the rug type of, you know, blue blood mentality. There is like one girl in this scene that mm-hmm. is, is like she's just like a a party goer. She's probably like twelve or whatever. Mm-hmm. She's really into it. Yeah, she like, she's rad. Yeah, yeah. She's like, like she's not, <laughs> she throws up the horns. And yeah. Like, yeah, she's not, she's not even Damien. She's not like the. She's just like a real shit person. She's just like <laughs> she's just looking at it like, yo, that was crazy when she busted that window down. <laughs> Did you guys see that? Yeah. Oh, just, yeah. See that she's the yeah. nanny's wiling out. Um, like, yeah, <laughs> like there's other people like turning away. The clown is kind of into it too, but like he's a yeah, party the clown. Kind of horny for it, yeah. yeah but he's he's you know, seen that's plenty of shit like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's into shit like that. Um, and then you see the dog like creeping off in the sidelines, like giving Damien the wink, and and Damien's like, "Hey, buddy," gives low him a high five, sign. Low five, yeah. real fast, walk five, <laughs> real quick, low five <laughs> as they go by. Which how how smooth brained was this nanny that she got possessed by a dog? <laughs> Smooth brain. Such a weird hey, dude, specific If you don't insult. have a dog, you won't understand. Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't even, even her dog. dog. Though. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a random stray dog. Yeah. That's fine. It doesn't matter. I still see dogs on the side of the road and I am instantly mesmerized. You know what, though? I, you know what? One thing I don't like about this. I'm a different person when I see a dog. <laughs> I don't like that they're demonizing the, the Rottweiler here because it's always Rottweilers. Mm-hmm. In, in this movie and it, it's a theme throughout the movie and i'm like why don't you pick like a shitty dog breed or yeah. like a you know what i mean like don't pick they're cute they're cute yeah and they're, they're getting a bad fuck. they're getting a bad rap and now you're making them satan come on they are yeah. that's like a pit bull making a pit bull satan it's like why are you kicking a dog well, it's breed like, yeah, you either down? see a rottweiler or like a doberman like i feel yeah. like you see doberman a lot mm-hmm. yeah why don't you pick like a like a golden like a golden, golden doodle, doodle or yeah, something, you know what I mean? Like, like a shitty rich fuck. person dog, <laughs> like, <laughs> like a, a Scottish $3, terrier, dollar designer dog breed. You know, like make it at it, make it a yeah. chihuahua. Yeah. Oh, see, that would be more accurate because they look like little fucking demons. <laughs> oh, actually, I don't know the breed of the 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 breed of this dog. But you ever see like all the videos of the curmudgeon dog where he just has like a crazy underbite and looks miserable the whole time? Mm-hmm. That's the dog. I'll find it. Yeah. I'll send it to you guys. Yeah, it's Someone some probably, sort of everyone like knows what I'm talking chihuahua about. mix of some yeah. sort. I feel like maybe a pug in there. I don't know. Whatever. So yeah, they 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 are just you know uh, uh, like I said, it's it's like they're not really sure what to do with the the nanny that just hung herself at the birthday party. But there is a photographer that is there, um, and his name I is they never really talk about it, but in in the um, on IMDb, his name is is just Jennings. He's played by David Warner, who is a fantastic um, character actor who's been in a million things. You'll recognize his face right away. He's taking pictures. He's poking around. Um, and he, he's starting, he's the one that's starting to raise eyebrows about some stuff that's up. Um, then father Brennan, who's played by, uh, Patrick Troughton, which, um, or Trotton rather, uh, 
you'll recognize him as well. He's been in a lot of things. He shows up from Rome and just starts throwing like Jesus shit at him and, and, and say that he saw Damien's birth and he's urging Robert to like accept Christ and take communion and all this types of stuff. I do the same um, thing when people start throwing Jesus at me too, though. I'm just like, yeah, oh, yeah. fuck off. But yeah, he kind of me- did, he kind of did tell him that, oh, this is happening. So maybe he said, drink more of the blood of Christ. And I was like, he are kept you saying like, are you drink telling the him, blood of Christ? Are drink you telling him blood. to get wasted right now? Like, are you drink just like his blood shit, shit goes wrong and you're like get drunk you know what that's well, the advice i give people but you got in listen he's catholic so it's transubstantiation it is literal blood so you got to understand that they believe it is literal blood that's what transubstantiation is he just uh, got guys, a transfusion this morning not it's good a joke. it's clean look it up it's wild i know um, i know it's not a joke you guys know all that jesus shit I know, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying like people really do believe that it's, it's, it's all over the place. You guys can literally tell me anything about Jesus and I'd be like, okay, I believe you. Like I will believe you. Okay. Well, the reason, the reason why it's alcohol is because Christ was a diabetic and his sugars was actually transformed into alcohol. (laughs) There you go. He had a nutritionist or she, whatever you want to subscribe to. They? She Christ? What? (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Wait, is that a thing? Is Jesus I'm wait, just gonna historical start calling Jesus, Jesus a, a woman? They. I don't fucking yeah. know. No, I like the idea. Did it didn't Lannis Morris like said or someone say God was a woman or something? Well, or, you know, God and nine. Jesus. Like it, they're the same person, but also very different people. It's very confusing. See, exactly. Guys, you it's, need to teach me these things. It's very confusing. Here, here's what you gotta know about the difference between God and Jesus from a Christian perspective. Uh he's the same person, but also different people <laughs> that's so what you gotta he, know so he might be a they i don't know if he's a she christ but he might be a they yeah yeah, yeah. there's two people yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah. yeah that's fair mm-hmm. um they yeah, he's giving him all this yeah. shit and J- and J- <laughs> and then um he's basically going like no 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 dog no dog no dog i'm, I'm not into all this nah, and dog. Get, they kick him out <laughs> but he's actually hearing him out but he's coming in here hot screaming crazy shit and uh and he's like no 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 like i'll listen to you and then he's like all right now now you gotta go he, well he, he he half believes him simply because he brennan offers the information that he knows the real mother Correct. Mm-hmm. And like, so he knows a secret that only a few people would know. His eyebrows have perked yeah. up a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But then he also tries to say it was a jackal. So hmm. <laughs> he says, Jack. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, until I, until I watched it this time and I saw in the, um, uh, you know, cause I had subtitles on, I saw that they cut it off. They were like, his mother was a Jack and it's like J and you're like, Okay, must be Jackal, obviously, but like it, watching the movie without the subtitles before that, and I would never have mm. picked that up. Um, I never noticed it. But in any case, uh, oh, by the way, for those of you who aren't into, you know, uh, uh, like um, Bible demonography or demonology or whatever it is, uh, Satan's mother is supposed to be a Jackal. <laughs> That's the thing. That's the thing. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, so that was a subtle little thing there. This, there's no reason for you to know this, so no shame. But Satan's <laughs> Satan is the son of a jackal, and yeah. So, in any case, uh, uh, which rude, 
Right. You know what I mean? Like jackals, hyenas, these scavenger animals, they play a really important role in, uh, you know, in, in the food cycle and, you know, the, the, the hierarchy of, of predators and stuff like that. So I like how so we will probably judgy. Act, we will actively defend anything related to Satan, but anything related <laughs> to God or Jesus, we're like, fuck this shit. Nah, dog. Yeah. Listen, that's what I'm here for. Um, <laughs> So anyway, I've been listening to a lot of Bible podcasts. It's getting my blood all angered up lately. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so uh, Jennings, the photographer, he starts to see something in the photographs of this priest. And then later you come to realize that he saw something in the photograph of the nanny as well. Um, and you don't really know what it is right now. Now, a new housekeeper, a new nanny comes in the mix. Her name's Mrs. Blaylock. She's super creepy. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, Catherine kind of sees it, but Robert is like too preoccupied, doesn't really know what the fuck's going on. Um, they don't even know who hired her, and they just make a lot of assumptions like, oh, the agency sent him over. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Nice to meet you. Here's our child. Um, and then you immediately realize that she's obviously, you know, here to protect the Satan spawn, which is Damien. And she walks in and is like, what does she say? Have no fear, little one. I am here to protect thee. Uh, so you you get a clear indication right now, right off the bat, what her what her motives are. Yeah, would mm-hmm. she? I'm trying to think, like in like the lore of or like stories related to like saying, I was like, what would be her actual character? Because what was her name again? Mrs. I wonder if there was anything. Baylock. Okay, I was like wondering if there was anything related to her name that would kind of tell like, mm. oh, this is a normally like Satan's child is always going to be protected by this type of person i don't i don't know i don't know if yeah you, like, knew that's a good question that. i don't know i did nothing jumped into my head immediately um and the the name i always want to say blade i kept wanting to say blaylock because like mookie blaylock who was a, <laughs> uh played for the atlanta hawks back in the day i had a lot of card trading cards of him he was that guy when you bought a pack of basketball cards back in the 90s where they just like it felt like every pack had a mookie blaylock card in it <laughs> like he was that character he was Satan that guy was following you from your childhood <laughs> yeah, mookie blaylock is the antichrist um <laughs> But uh, yeah, so um, I, I just like to imagine like he's at home just like listening to this. He's just like, he's what like, the what? fuck? What the fuck? Her name isn't even Blaylock. It's Baylock. Yeah. What the fuck, Brian? He just common turns mistake, us off. Common mistake. He's like, there's this a lot a of flimsy happening. connections. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, one thing that I'll pick up and I mentioned at the top a little bit too is like a lot of really intense cathedral music like being blared during tense times with Latin choir singing over top of it. It's like really, really um, dramatic. And I think this movie, like I said, sets a lot of the like the precedent and and tropes around like, frankly, like religious horror in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. because it's just like this insane score that's so intense, like the scene which we're about to get up to when things start to get even crazier in a second. Like I'll mention the scene here in a second. I'm going to get ahead of myself. But um, so Robert uh, is starting to get like really suspicious. And he's talking about how he's never even been sick. Damien's never even been sick ever once in his life. Um, And Catherine's trying to minimize things because she doesn't want to believe that's the reality. But the new nanny has brought this Rottweiler into the house without saying anything to anyone. And Richard's like basically like fuck off with this dog. The priest is still kind of crazy 
creeping around at this point, you know, baboons attack the car, which was a scene I did want to talk about because um, Catherine and Damien go to one of those like drive through, you know, safari park types mm-hmm. of places. Mm-hmm. And there's this scene where like dozens of baboons, because you get the idea that animals can sense Damien's evil. Mm-hmm. Um and it's subtle at first, but at this instance, all these freaking baboons run up and like attack their car. And mm-hmm. this could have been such a corny, comical scene, but they edit it in such a smart way. I was really took note of the editing in the scene this time and was mm-hmm. really impressed by they made what could have been an extremely silly scene, like actually pretty intense and harrowing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they were never really in any danger. Uh, because they're in a locked car with the windows up, but there's like baboons screaming. Because baboons, baboons are, are scary strong. as fuck. Yeah, I was right. gonna say like monkeys can get real strong. Because I mean that yeah. was like also balanced with we had just seen a bunch of giraffes fuck off when they saw them, yeah. and the baboons mm-hmm, are mm-hmm. like, "Nah, brah, we're coming we're for fight. you. We're gonna well, fucking yeah. punch you in the face." Yeah, like they 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 start by being scared, but then it just makes them angry. The the mm-hmm. thing is, like you're you're absolutely right, Brian. But just in my own mind, I couldn't help but laugh because yeah. all of this is done practically, obviously, because it's the seventies. Right. So all I could think of is there had to be somebody on set to scare the animals away from the. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, there's just like one guy just running at the giraffe, going, "All right, giraffe, fuck off, run away." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was the giraffe scarer. Yeah. He's the opposite of an animal wrangler. He's yeah. the guy who just runs out <laughs> and screams. And yeah. spitting. Just the animal scarer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and he also the whole time the I was thinking. then, too, you know? Yeah, like, he did the same yeah, thing, he was, yeah. He, oh. he was like shaking his dick at the monkeys, getting them all riled up. <laughs> yeah. Staring at him in the eyes. Well, and then also, like, <laughs> the whole time I'm thinking, because they speed off and they're still like monkeys kind of close to the car. And I'm like, mm-hmm. do you think they ran over any monkeys? I don't, I hope not. But that would be a little bit yeah. amusing. There was definitely like right. some monkeys on the car, but I don't, maybe yeah. it was, maybe it was puppets. And it just because because it was such a quick like it was such a quick thing. But yeah, there was monkeys all over the place. And I was like, I hope they didn't hit any monkeys. (laughs) Yep. For your dumbass movie. Really ambitious scenes. Yeah. It was an ambitious scene. It was edited well. And like I said, it could have been real silly, but I feel like um, I wanted to hold this like comment to like the end. But I think like what this movie does interestingly and it's like it's kind of what makes me like it and not like it at the same time is that I feel like there's all these like it feels kind of calm in certain way or like not a lot's happening and then when the moments happen they're just so intense mm-hmm. that like and- then it comes back down you're like what the fuck just happened like I, I think about it with every single major death that we have you're just like that was a really cool death that was like a yeah. really cool yeah. uh and they linger on shit too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's like wild. They do a really good job of editing and, and cinematography for that matter, where there are a lot of like long drawn out shots. Not 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 as much as as like Rosemary's Baby necessarily, but there are a lot of long drawn out shots, almost like Kubrick-esque type of shots of like, you know, Damien coming down the hallway or like, you know what I mean? Like from a distance catching glances and stuff. So it's like this, it's a little, little Kubrick-esque in that way. But then when shit hits the fan, it's hectic. It's jump cuts. It's Mm -hmm. loud music. It's screaming. It's chaos. And then after the, whatever the thing that happens happens, they linger on it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a few different instances of that 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 we'll, we'll kind of talk about here. But yeah, overall, like I try to take a little bit more note of the like the score is so in your face in this movie. So like it's impossible to to not, you know, pick up on that. But I tried to pay a little closer attention to the cinematography this time. And um, yeah, I was pretty, pretty impressed by it overall. Um, you, you now. Uh, so I'll fast forward here for the sake of not going through all the scenes. But um so, uh, uh, I was going to call him Richard. Um, <laughs> what the fuck is his name? Roger, Dick. Richard, Robert. Dick, Robert, Bobby, Bobo, big Bobo. Um, he now gets the full story from the crazy priest, basically saying Damien is the antichrist. Here's what's going to happen. He's going to kill your wife is pregnant. And he's like, no, she's not. He's like, your wife is pregnant. Damien's going to kill the baby. Damien's going to kill her. Damien's going to kill you. Damien's going to take over the fucking world and end humanity. Basically gives him the whole thing. But he doesn't present it in like a well thought out way. He presents it in like a I'm a screaming crazy priest way. (laughs) So it doesn't really, you know, he I mean, obviously, um, you know, Robert is getting the picture, but it's it's coming to him slowly because of, you know, no one's really presenting much to him. But each time he gets a little bit of information that's like, how did this person know this? So I, I do believe like the way he comes to the conclusion ultimately is like pretty believable of course the whole thing is very supernatural and fake but like this idea of like robert going from this very stern politician pragmatic type guy to oh no my son is satan and i have to stab him with ceremonial knives Mm -hmm. like that's like the way they got to that doesn't seem outlandish (laughs) it it doesn't i mean they they give enough like he gets enough evidence firsthand because it's because mm-hmm. right. like yeah it starts with this crazy screaming priest but like we said in that first scene the priest has information that nobody else would have mm-hmm. you know things that he would know and then just it continuously builds with like you know straight up like evidence so yeah he goes from yeah. the he goes from a secular politician to I must kill my son because he's taken <laughs> he's taken everything from me. <laughs> yeah, it, it's and this is when shit really starts. I mean, at this point, sh- some shit's already hit the fan, but this is when it really starts to where after the priest meets him and tells him all this stuff and 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 Robert still doesn't believe him, but is, again, getting very suspicious and scared. Um, he tells him, like, buck up and everyone to see you again. And Satan creates a goddamn windstorm in the park, tries to strike him with lightning. And then one of the, my favorite kills of all time, two of my favorite kills of all time in this movie, one of them now is um, the one which I have to assume very much inspired one of the most memorable scenes from Hot Fuzz <laughs> um, <laughs> is where basically Satan takes a lightning rod and javelins this fucking priest and shish kebabs him uh, right through his torso into the ground. I don't know if I could pick a favorite of like these kids, these type of kills. Cause like I said, they're so intense. They're so like dramatic, but you just can't stop. You're like, Good job. Like, like, I just kind of be like, nice. Like, (laughs) well, it's wild to to think that when people talk about this movie they talk about the the one that jumps out of nowhere which is the nanny hanging herself Mm -hmm. like that's the most famous scene in this movie but it's not nearly the best death Mm -mm. like it's it's not but like there's such a brutality to her going through the window yes whereas like everything the other ones are more like happenstance 
kind of magic-y, you know, things that have happened. Yeah. Whereas she's, Circa, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whereas she's that, just like, I'm off the roof, I'm through the window, what the fuck's up? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also there's like a bunch of kids watching her and yeah. stuff. Yeah. I was going to say, like, yeah, and like clearly she's like a, like actually like possessed in such a way and like to do it. So I do think that's an interesting point versus like trying to think of the, I mean, the other two main ones that I'm thinking of, obviously the javelins, like mm-hmm. no one was actually possessed. It was, we have this, we have Satan coming after this guy. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that yeah, the, the next was, one that I'm thinking of is not like that either too, you know? Right. Well, and it's one of those things where it's like, what? Well, yeah, it, that's one thing I'm a little curious of is like, I, I know why satan rottweiler satan needed to kill the nanny because he needed to send in mookie blaylock to to straighten shit out and Mm -hmm. be the protector but why didn't you just make her like get hit by a bus like why did you have to make her do that you know what i mean but um, because funny (laughs) yeah yeah i guess it could also be played off like she's crazy well, that's what they ultimately did because they were like, oh, yeah. was she on drugs or whatever? Yeah, yeah they they played it off like that. But. I actually, not to backtrack too far, but when that uh, new nanny like comes into play and she's like, she's like straight up talking shit about nannies. Like, I, I feel like she also backhandedly made fun of herself. She's like, yeah, like all these nannies, they get homesick. They miss their boyfriends. And she's like, you know what? I, I'm past that. And I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is what loneliness looks like. Shit. <laughs> I've given up. She, like, I've she, given she, if up. she had a cat, I would be like, okay, cool. Uh, I, I kind of see my future. In a purse. Yeah. <laughs> she is a dry spinster. That is her. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, she's got those, like, the shade of her, like, skin and hair is just like she's like a Simpsons character. Like, she's like crazy <laughs> yeah. cat lady. Um, but yeah, so, so then he goes home and immediately learns that uh, Catherine is is pregnant and and wants to uh doesn't want to carry the baby wants to have an abortion and he is like oh no you know as the prophecy foretold kind of thing so this is when he's really starting to get all fucking uh nervous about everything as everything the priest said is starting to become true um now he now this is when these movies uh a lot of these movies especially satanic you know demonic movies but specifically like with religious overtones they start to take a real weird, dark, complicated turn because you never really know if they are sub trying to be subversive or if they are trying to be like, uh, oh, the morality is of the world is going away. So, no, you actually do want to have to force your wife to have a baby she doesn't want. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it becomes very, like, a lot of... Um, uh, uh, incredibly misogynist things start to come into play in a lot of these types of movies. So you have a lot of mixed feelings because you're supposed to have Robert as the protagonist, um, but now his wife is obviously like having some some mental health issues. She's concerned about um, you know, what's going on with her son. Now she's pregnant again. She doesn't want to have the baby, and then you, they're painting Robert as the good guy for basically like forcing his wife to have a baby. You know what I mean? It's like it it becomes real muddy and weird at this point, but um. Damien kills the baby with a tricycle. <laughs> Basically, he comes riding out with a tricycle while his mom is uh, good uh, scene too. like, yeah, pointing a po- hanging a light. She falls off the banister. She hangs on for a second, which frankly, I I kind of wish she wouldn't have done the whole like hang on by her fingers thing when Damien just watches her fall. If she would have just fell, I feel like that would have been it's enough. Yeah, 
enough i don't yeah. know why i don't love the idea of her hanging there but because anyway, well, it, it's down. not like he pulled it's not like he peeled her fingers off mm. yeah it's not like he bit her fingers when it yeah. happened which, i think yeah. that would have been better because there's no actual point that she right. would he could have ever helped her you know right. yeah it's not like he was gonna yeah pull her up or something um take my but, strong yeah. hand <laughs> take, <laughs> take my devil hand i'll pull you <laughs> Um, <laughs> he just has like a forked tongue um, but it's like he, she falls and this again a very iconic scene something you've seen like tropes you know on and on. it's actually almost like kind of Hitchcockian I would say oh, yeah. the mm. way that they shoot her falling from above and slow motion the way her body lands and it, it's 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 kind of unique or or even I would even say like it almost seems like something from a giallo flick maybe mm. too yeah um, like we really stylized that, fall we kind of saw that a little bit in that orphan first kill movie too i feel like the way they felt like it was like it reminded me of that please don't talk about that movie um i'm just kidding, I'm not, just kidding. not in the presence of better movies meg i'm not i'm not i'm not what i'm saying is that orphan tried to take that it's like i know i know what you're saying this. i'm just being Come a dick um bad <laughs> yeah, maybe blue. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So, so Damien and and specifically, you see very much. There's like this knowing look of like Mookie Blaylock letting her out, ride the tricycle, knock mom off the thing, and then she falls. You assume she's dead. She's not dead, but she did miscarry. So, in essence, you know that part of the prophecy come true as well. Um, and the dog is there protecting Damien when you know uh, the you know Robert goes in the room and all that stuff. So. Um, this is the part where I started to create, you know, started to really see a theme here, which is for whatever reason, there are so many themes of reproduction in satanic movies. Like always, it seems like it's something that's always there. It's almost like Christianity demonizes women and their bodies and their sexuality or something. <laughs> um, or something. <laughs> It's just like every single one of these movies that has these like uh, satanic, you know, themes are all about like good versus evil and the evil thing or the thing that is the catalyst for the evil is always like women's bodies and their sexuality. <laughs> it's uh, a pretty common theme, guys. Uh, so, um, yeah, so so the 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 photographer Jennings explains you know, he starts to spill this thing. So I'll kind of fill in the gaps here. Jennings basically says that the priest had cancer. Um, the priest that came to, to Richard, not Richard, Robert. <laughs> um, uh, and he had this like six, six, six birthmark and, uh, which is pretty metal as fuck. Um, and then they, uh, start to understand Damien's origins at this point, basically. So, and Robert's like, okay, I'm on board now. Like now I'm full on, you know, my adopted son is the son of the devil. Um, Sidebar so, comment. Can we, yeah. the way they do the 666 and like the three way, I feel like we should all get a fam tattoo of that together, you know, like <laughs> on our butt, maybe. Right. Oh, I was going to say, right, go to the corner of my eye, like an Hydra. Like <laughs> right yeah. Actually, get a teardrop and then put 666 inside of it. <laughs> like super small, like when people like right. paint on like a, like a, 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 a grain of rice type thing. Yeah. So when people get close enough, you punch them in the face. <laughs> That was from the devil. <laughs> yeah. <you get close>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, you get this idea of like the markings on the photo and this thing that would look like it was going through the priest is, of course, the, the fucking spike, you know, that shot through him. And you see the picture of the nanny. She had basically like a 
um, you know, some sort of ghostly noose around her neck or whatever. Uh, and uh, so now old Jennings, the photographer, has a picture of himself with it looks like something's going right through his damn head. So you're like, that motherfucker can get his head cut off. And uh, at this point, uh, Mookie Blaylock has fired everybody. She's kind of taken over the house. And uh, they start to take the direction of the dead priest um, very seriously. They go to Italy and uh, they basically say, like, the place that supposedly Damien was born, burned down. There's no records there. Um, and they say, you know, who, who is this old priest that, you know, told me to take him? Basically they uncover from talking to this, this nun that it was Padre Spoleto. Um, and he was the only person that survived this big giant fire, um, and talked him into, you know, uh, before that talked him into, uh, to accepting, um, Damien as his son. Now, um, Everything basically after Damien was born or leading up to or on Damien's fifth birthday is when just everything went fucking bananas, uh, basically. So they're they're getting all this like dates and stuff. They're like, oh, that's was his birthday or that was the day that he was born, that the fire started and all this shit. So, again, there's lots of support to suggest that he is, in fact, the son of the devil. They go find the priest and uh, he's got a pretty bad case of melt face <laughs> um, he's all melted up <laughs> melt face um, and, and milk they, eye <laughs> uh, yeah he's got a real yucky milky eye and they say go to the cemetery and they find the gravestone of damien's presumed mother which there's an animal in there you assume that's the jackal mm -hmm. and then where it was supposed to be the the kid robert basically goes okay so they probably buried my kid in this grave and they find it and it's it's a it's an infant skeleton with its like head smashed in. So he comes to the conclusion that they when Catherine had his son, they murdered him and put Damien in his place after the jackal had, you know, gave birth to um, to to Damien. So he start again, the whole thing's starting to go at this point uh, off the rails. Um, and now all of a sudden the dogs, uh, the, all the Satan dogs, all the Rottweilers are all over the cemetery. Robert gets his arm like impaled on this fence and Jennings saves him. They get away and they go to, um, uh, oh, she, he, this is, I guess this is important. He sends, uh, for Catherine, um, but, and basically says like, you have to come to, Italy, basically, and mm -hmm. come meet me. Get the fuck out of town. But then Mookie Blaylock yeets her out the window. <laughs> and I actually kind of liked this whole scene, too, like a little mm -hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Catherine is the queen of getting yeeted. <laughs> but then not having any, like, like cosmetic damage to her face. Like she's always like yeah. pristine with just like a little bit of blood coming yes. out of her nose, but she yeah. like got thrown off a nine story building. And head first too into the the you know literally the ambulance. She went through the roof of an ambulance. No cosmetic damage to None. her face. Yeah. yeah. Well she yeah. went through on the back of her head. So <laughs> face fine. <laughs> That's hamburger. Yeah. Face pristine. Yeah. Yeah. The back of her head is yeah. all mushed up, but <laughs> yeah. Okay. So they, they go to this town near Jerusalem where they said the priest said you gotta go see a guy about a about a thing. And this haggard looking motherfucker in a 
cardigan um, explains to them that they have to murder Damien and, and, and he's got to do it in this very specific way and that he will have a birthmark. And Robert's like, he doesn't have a birthmark. And he's like, no, no, it's on his scalp. Um, and of course, Damien was Bournemouth and giant, you know, full fucking, you know, head of black hair. Right. So Robert is is now getting like second thoughts about child murder. Like they're walking out. And after this Hagrid motherfucker, which I forget his name. He had a wacky name. I don't think I wrote it down. Um, uh, oh, yes, I did. Uh, Bugenha- Bugenhagen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bugenhagen or Bugenhagen um, is the guy. He's like an exorcist, right? Uh, and they said, if you want to get rid of him, here's all these ceremonial knives. You got to stab him in this very or- specific order with all these cer- you know, ceremonial knives. Um, and uh, again, Robert's having second thoughts at this point because he's like kind of stepping back and going, wait, wait. Am I literally going to go home and ceremonious, ceremonially murder my adopted son with these Jesus knives to get rid of the devil? <laughs> you know, again, as one would, he's having reservations. He forgets um, that the, the, they just like killed his wife, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then he's like, it was like the scene in in beer fest where landfill throws the trophy goes goddamn brewery <laughs> except <laughs> except, for, except for it's him throwing the jesus knives up on the roof he's like get him out of here yeah. and then and it's him of course and jennings the photographer jennings goes no i'm gonna go pick up the knives and as he goes this truck holding this like glass like window glass comes down the hill and does the sickest decapitation scene mm-hmm. i can think of it's fucking rad mm-hmm. like a big sheet of glass falls off and just slices his head off clean and the head just flips like and it's all practical and it is fucking gorgeous I, mm-hmm. like they just the timing had to be really hard to pull this effect off but they do it perfectly and they're so proud of it as they should be that they do it in slow motion <laughs> and it looks fucking amazing yeah <laughs> like, it's so good yeah they, um, they obviously like they built a dummy they did all the math to get this mm-hmm. sheet to like you know move at the speed that it does and come off the back mm-hmm. of the truck and slide off and then and then not only does that come off but also doesn't it hit like glass behind it yeah like, cuz there's breaks a, yeah, again it yeah. explodes like right. yeah yeah there, we're getting so all the shatter good. <laughs> i know it looks so fucking good it's like it's really the best decapitation scene i can i you can know, think of i was already terrified to like drive behind big trucks carrying logs but now i just don't want to drive behind any glass truck you know i'm yeah. just like this is just getting added to the list i think i should stop driving <laughs> you I should you I should lock yourself in a basement what the fuck? you know what though that's better than i mean he didn't feel anything i'm sure yeah pretty humane death yeah and then also he got to have that fun of like his brain still functioning for like eight seconds or whatever while he's doing flips it probably was fucking sick sick bro (laughs) (laughs) as his head's flipping in the air he's seeing it and you look over it's just both of his hands are like as his head's flipping he's like fucking brad head flipping in the air um (laughs) anyway um so now, you know, uh, Robert is like, no, no. OK, yeah, yeah. It's clear that this is real. So like any amount of like skepticism he had is now like out the window. So no, Rob, Robert 
you know, goes back to his house. And it wasn't the um, it wasn't the death of his wife, but of his photographer friend that he went on an Indiana uh, Jones yeah. adventure with. <laughs> yep. That's what well, set him off. At least, well, I think it was specifically the way he died. Too. Yeah. It's like because they he saw the video, right. you know, the, yeah. the the picture. But it was funny that like yeah, he was like not sure after his wife, but then it's like. But this guy died, and I'm now I'm definitely going to stab my kid with Jesus knives. Um, but uh, yeah, so he's on a mission now, and he goes back. He, he you know, but he's still like, okay, I'm gonna. He goes back. He gets some scissors. He he cuts some of Damien's hair off when he's sleeping. He sees the six 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 birthmark, six, six, six. and and then as this happens. Mookie Blaylock runs in fucking like a wild tornado full of <laughs> feet and fists and fingernails. And she's just fucking raging um, like a fucking rabid animal. And Robert has a bum arm, of course. Uh, but he eventually stabs her in both sides of the neck with like cooking implements, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty sick. And then he just drags Damien like into this into the car throws him in the car he's like holding him down and we should say if you've never seen this movie before again you're spoiling it you're dumb but you should definitely uh like damien is this like like painfully cute little kid so of course the whole time he's like holding him down you're like oh god you can't help but like feel for the kid and he's like dragging him into the church and shit um and the dog gets locked in the cellar we didn't mention that so that's how he kind of gets past the dog but in any case um the whole thing is just pretty intense and and robert takes damien to the church drags him up on the altar and he's like please daddy no it's like this whole like i said and even at that moment you yeah. know he's satan but you're still like oh god and he goes to like stab him and at that moment like the police pop in and shoot and then it like fades to black. Mm-hmm. So you don't know what happened. You know if he stabbed Amy. You know if he shot him. You know what's happening. And you get that whole thing of him like he was agonizing about what to do, even though he knew what he had to do. You know, now and and, and even in this instance, like this is really dark, but there's so many instances of these of people now, like in true crime, stuff like that, of just losing their fucking mind. Like these like family annihilator type murderers mm-hmm. who just lose their mind. And you're like, they probably thought the same way Robert was thinking in that instance that they were doing some no matter how like, you know, warped their brain was. They probably thought in their mind, they were Robert. Yeah. <laughs> like they had no choice. You yeah. know what I mean? Which is even more like just dark and disturbing. But um But we definitely so, like hear those stories now, and usually the person doing the murdering is schizophrenic. So they are. They're right. usually yeah. mentally ill or, or or their brain's been mushed by, you know, meth for however many fucking years or whatever. But still, it's like they in their brain, they were Robert. Yeah. Which like mm-hmm. in a more subtle movie so like in rosemary's baby there's there's mm-hmm. a long period of time well not really a long period of time because of the fucking uh, dream sequence but like there's that period mm-hmm. of time where it's like eh, it could be or it couldn't be you know there's a yeah, lot of paranoia she, she's kind of an unreliable narrator right. a little bit mm-hmm. but yeah, at like that point, which... this film it's very clear that oh yeah right. it's mm-hmm. it's truly satan that's going on here there's some good versus evil shit there's yeah. never any yeah, yeah there's never any skepticism there but you could definitely um, make like a more subtle movie with kind of the same ending where it's like mm-hmm. it's unclear of is is the person you know kind of out of their mind or is it really satan that they're trying to stop so yeah 
Yeah, no, they didn't make this a a, a mental health thing, really. Mm-hmm. They meant, made it good versus evil, Satan versus God, and all that shit. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, now you're back in the U.S. and this last scene, which is super mellow and super like you're literally at like a military funeral. Um, so you assume the one. You know, uh, at least one of the caskets, there's two caskets, at least one of them is Robert, right? Mm -hmm. You just assumed he got shot. And of course, they're doing the 21 gun salute and all that stuff. So you're like, well, Robert is, uh, you know, he's a fucking, what was he, an ambassador. Mm -hmm. So he would get that type of treatment. But then you look at the other casket and they even shot it in a way where it kind of looked like the other casket was smaller. And so you're like, is that Damien in the casket? Is that Catherine in the casket? You don't know. And and they drag it out. So it's this really suspenseful thing, uh, which is really, really uh, a gorgeous scene. And then you kind of pan out and you see Damien standing there and it's assumed that he has been, I guess, adopted by or something um, the presidential family. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it some somehow he ended up in the care of the president of the United States, and then he does the little grin, and you know, you know, he doesn't wink, but you almost expect him to kind of <laughs> wink at the camera. But he does this little tried. creepy he just grin. Couldn't. He just couldn't do it. Yeah, um, and that's it. That's the movie. So, uh, goddamn creepy movie, yeah. creepy movie. And again, especially if you see it through the the eyes of 1976 horror fans like Mm -hmm. a lot of this stuff most people who went and saw this movie would have never seen probably a creepy kid movie Mm -hmm. yeah the only i mean the only ones that like were probably really big that predate this is obviously the exorcist that's only like three years it's only three years younger than this film and then village of the damned did come out in the 60s so yeah village Mm -hmm. of the damned was the only other one i thought about which was the exorcist i think was yes the exorcist was it was a different feel, obviously. It was like a smaller story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas this was like almost some, Indi- like you said, some Indiana Jones shit across Europe. Um, <laughs> yeah, but- no one looked at their kids the same after watching this in the 70s. Yeah. But Village of the Damned, the original one, is it does have some creepy kids, but they're very alien looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You know, with the white hair and all that well, shit. Well, they were brilliant eyes. So. Right. And this kid <laughs> right. looks super normal. Yeah, yeah no, he looks I mean, like a overall, really cute kid. I, I felt like, like I, I kind of already made the point that I, like, one of my biggest drives home, which kind of put me into both categories. But looking at it from, like, perspective when it came out, like we should for all these films and whatnot, is that, I mean, it, it was slow. And I feel like, you know, like, in between all these big moments, I just felt like a little bit more like distracted or bored watching that, you know, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm comparatively, um, I, I found myself out of any of them, like in between all these really amazing scenes where there's some really great kills, there's some really great chaotic moments that I was just like, I, I almost wish there like those in-betweens were like a, like a leveled up, like a little bit more. Um, because I, I think like time and place of this, it would have been scary as fuck. And again, I was kind of joking about like people looking at their kids differently after like, but 20 bucks is they probably did. Oh yeah. Well, and it's also like, <clears throat> I, 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 I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. The, my, my response to that would be, I think this is like, this movie is very ebbs and flows, like high peaks, low valleys, high peaks, low valleys. Mm-hmm. So it's all about that, like contrast. I think if you didn't have the low of the lows and like just like how like mundane 
their lives are otherwise, maybe you wouldn't first you wouldn't get some of the same levels of character development, but also some of the gradual nature of how Robert comes to believe it. If it was just like some of that stuff was really short and all of a sudden Robert was like, oh, yeah, my son's the devil. Like we would have been like, well, that was a big jump. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I do think they like took the time to like really sow those you know, things together so that they became, you know, more, more believable. But yeah, there are a couple scenes. Weirdly enough, the one that dragged the most for me was like, which I I appreciate for the same reason, but it still did drag a little bit, which is when Robert and Jennings go to the, to the cemetery. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Like they, it takes them, it feels like 10 minutes, it's not 10 minutes, it's like a few minutes, but it feels like 10 minutes of them just like wandering around the graveyard before they stumble on the the graves they want, that they're looking for, yeah. mm-hmm. which it made it make more sense because it's not like they walked in and there was a glowing grave like it was Resident Evil and there was like a little sparkle beside the item you have to find, but <laughs> it, it, it did, it did kind of, yeah, mm-hmm. take away it, 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 I guess it, you, you don't, it sucks you in yeah, a little bit. You don't have to show it to us, though. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. like it, at that point, it's kind of like showing a car arriving at a place. You don't have to show yeah. that. Like, we know they're going to the graveyard to look. You can just start yeah. with, like, Jennings being like, oh, it's over here, you know? Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah, or they could be like, oh, we've been here for an hour. Look, we're all dirty now right, or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. But yeah, I, I agree overall with you, Brian, as far as like the, the way things progress. We did Cape Fear not too long ago, the other Gregory Peck mm-hmm. film. And mm-hmm. one of my criticisms of the original Cape Fear is that you never really see Gregory Peck devolve too much in that film. Mm-hmm. Like he, he gets right. a couple hairs out of place by the end of that film. But in this one, it really feels a lot more like he has everything together. He's really happy with his wife. And, you know, he's almost like a regal type. Mm -hmm. And he's got that old Gregory Peck voice, which sounds like he's a radio guy. It Mm -hmm. almost seems not not even real. Yeah. (laughs) But by the end of this film, he is fucking out of sorts and trying to stab a kid. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I, I, I like the way. You know, it definitely builds. And again, he gets so much evidence. He gets, you know, he gets undeniable evidence, essentially, and gets everything taken away from him. And, you know, everything that was prophesized comes to be, you know. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I really enjoy this film. Um, I don't have too much wrong to say about it. It just makes me think of the animal scarer, though, because I've seen it enough. <laughs> I just the, what? the animal scare. I just think of the guy who screams, oh, who screams the at the monkeys scare, at this the point. Going, monkey, monkey, monkey. Yeah, <laughs> just running at the monkeys. All right, monkeys, time to run the other way. All right, come back. <laughs> he just walks out there clapping and screaming. Yeah. <laughs> X scared. Um, X scared. <laughs> Be scared, monkeys. <laughs> he has that on his resume. Monkey scare. <laughs> cool. Any anything else? Uh, you know, I'm sure we'll get into the nitty gritty of it here. But any. Any final comments on the omen? No, no, no. Before we get into what are we doing next? We're gonna jump into uh, Dun, do, 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 Prince, Prince of Darkness? Darkness. Prince of Darkness. All right, all right. Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness. He's scary because he's in the darkness all the time. <laughs> he's always in the darkness. No, there's no dogs. There's no dogs. There's no dogs in this movie. That was Brian's there movie. No Brian's got of, the dogs. Lots of bugs in this movie. Not a yeah, lot lots of, dogs. of bugs. I think worms. one. Of, you know what? I do think one of the homeless people to hang out with Alice Cooper uh, might have a dog. 
They might. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, otherwise, low yeah. Low dog score. Low dog score. Yeah, low dog score on this one. High on the bugs. Mm-hmm. High on the vom. Yeah. High on. <laughs> high on uh, bicycle murder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Solid bicycle murder. Good mirror stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, shitty skin. Lots of bad <laughs> shitty skin. <laughs> Great worm work. They had someone like I was posting about watching this last or this past week and uh, someone messaged me and they told me a story how after watching this, they could never like they were terrified to see like a big mirror in someone's house. Like they'd be mm. over at a sleepover and they'd be like terrified, but they couldn't tell anyone because it was he was like a guy and he had to be masculine and stuff. And I was like, so wait, do you like not have any mirrors in your house now? And he's like no i actually have a huge ones next to my bed and i'm like oh my god this is like you're just facing your fear this is just ridiculous now mm-hmm. like this punch is just every growth. once in a while this yeah. is growth <laughs> yeah. that's how you grow up <laughs> you just put the scariest thing you can right next to you <laughs> right you wake up and you look in the mirror and you're like not today satan yeah <laughs> great <laughs> So, yeah, speaking of Satan, who lives in the mirrors, we are talking Prince of Darkness from 1987, directed by one John Carpenter. So I didn't have to. Well, he's a he's a decent, you know, film director guy. <laughs> he's you a know, guy. He's OK. He's OK. He does things. <laughs> he's a famous Xbox player is what he is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, 1987. And this is coming off of uh, the the big trouble in little China. Um, but it is in what he calls his apocalypse trilogy. So you have, uh, the thing that starts it. This yep. is the middle and, uh, in the mouth of madness from 94 is oh. what he considers the trilogy. Oh, three of my all time favorite films. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of them might be my literal favorite film, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue. The thing is, not one of the best films ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this one is, uh, as the other two are, is inspired by H.P. Lovecraft, but it takes a stronger turn towards uh, melding religion and science. And like in a way that like you don't see that often and especially like not to the to degree. Like trying to explain shit. Like yeah, we're like, going we're gonna to literally explain just everything but on like mm-hmm. a more literal like on a more literal level mm-hmm. yeah yeah like yeah. he like and i was reading like apparently carpenter got like really into quantum mechanics like he mm-hmm. was just reading books and then I like can he, see that he seems yeah. like the kind of guy who would yeah do that. He, he, like john carpenter is probably the best nerd <laughs> like he's in the quantum mechanics <laughs> and S- xbox but then like i don't even think he got a film degree i think he has a it's either a psychology or philosophy degree yeah, didn't he like so, go to film school, but then like drop out to make Halloween yeah. or something? I forget. Yeah, yeah. yeah all so, the smartest people dropped out of college. Right. Too. <laughs> He's so just what we're like saying yeah. is don't go to school, kids. <laughs> drop out, guys. He he um he is the type of guy who yeah is probably really into like theoretical physics and mm-hmm. just nerd shit. Like YouTube yeah. probably is forty percent of his life. Yeah, and he definitely was at the time, and, like, he said he was trying to, like, make that make sense within the script, but it's, that shit is just so crazy high level, mm-hmm. that, like, this, the script would take, you know, <laughs> like, 300 pages or whatever. so convoluted, yeah. Yeah, and no, but, but, like, I think overall, he does a good job of, like, bringing in 
you know, a, a bunch of different science disciplines into trying to make sense of something that's essentially supernatural. Mm-hmm. So the the start of the movie, it starts with a priest dying in bed, as the best movies do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right off the bat. Right off the bat. Priest dying in bed. And yeah. he's holding a box in a box of secrets. Yeah. Uh, he He's essentially like in hospice care and Donald Pleasance shows up in his stead to find i guess donald pleasance is like kind of the head of the hospice care so he would be giving last rites within that is the way i assume the reason he's there Mm -hmm. um but he finds the box of secrets and he learns that the priest was there to meet with a cardinal so donald pleasance takes up the charge and follows through with the message with the mission Mm -hmm. and he finds out that there's an abandoned church with a crazy uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles green slime vortex yeah. in the basement. What you're saying is Donald Pleasance <laughs> learned the secret of the use. He did. He did. He learned the secret of the use, and it's a 2,000-year-old Catholic secret. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and he reads the diaries of the uh, of the, the priest and gets to know, like, the sect and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, the Brotherhood of Sleep. Yeah. Yes. Which, Which is I a wrote, fucking sick name for anything. That is, that is sweet. That should be like a WCW faction. But I right. also wrote, I wrote in all caps, he left six diaries. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Because Donald Pleasance, which if you're not familiar, this man chews the scenery like no human being ever has. And I mm-hmm. love it. I love yeah. every delivery of every line, no matter how much of a throwaway it is. It's just so like thought out to a like masturbatory level. And I love it. Yeah. And he like he that's one of the things like all our films share in common. Like mm-hmm. Gregory Peck is you know, obviously a master actor. Mm-hmm. Um, Meg's film is full of them. And then mm-hmm. I think Donald Pleasance really carries this film on it show on his shoulders. Not mm-hmm. that like the other actors are bad. It's just he is obviously. Yeah. Yeah, he is it's just like light Blue years C ahead with uh, Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, he's just he is just carrying this fucking like master class in it up here. Yeah, it, it, it's not like there's other. It's not like again the other actors are bad because you you get Victor Wong and Dennis Dunn mm-hmm. who had mm-hmm. again also just come off um, uh, Big Trouble. Right. So like they're in this and the, like they're both fun. They're both entertaining. Victor Wong is. I think he's fantastic, and I'd say he's probably number two on the list of this film. He's he's also like the like almost the levity, you know. He's landed mm-hmm. the levity a little bit. Yeah, he, he's levity, jokes. But, but also like his character is pretty much the exact opposite of Egg Shen, because mm-hmm. Egg Shen was you know essentially just an old magician, mm-hmm. you know, who knew everything. But like in this film, he's he is playing a quantum theoretical physicist. Uh, and he he's leading the charge of science, which he's is the logical other, one. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Which he's the other half of this uh, film as uh, Donald Pleasance uh, sends for him. And he wants, you know, to have the ooze be studied, mm-hmm. you know, by science, by reason. He wants like all the books translated. And so, you know, Victor Wong uh, assembles 
or Dr. Birek is what his name is. He assembles yeah. essentially the Avengers of postgrads <laughs> <laughs> to come and <laughs> to come and study you can look this at it thing. That way, or you could be like, these are the people that I can force yeah. into like indentured servitude. Like you right. guys are kind of yeah. good these enough, the- but you know. So <laughs> he he at one point he calls them yeah, competent. That's what I- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they look. They and need he's like, credit. And I'll give you a good grade, you bitches. <laughs> yeah, come out. yeah. They need credit, and they don't have if a lot of money. The weekend, <laughs> they need a. to get towards that doctorate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's great characters in that. They're not just oh, yeah. a bunch of faceless, nameless, you know, graduate students or doctorate students. Like they're they're they're. I remember ever like if you said someone, I would be like, oh yeah, I remember that person. Like there's no faceless, nameless characters. Mm-hmm. They're all very. Like, even if they don't get a lot, even like the guy who, you know, is like the big oaf who's like, you know, is like, oh, do you want me to wait for you? And then she says no. And the first girl gets, you know, Satan pisses in her mouth like that guy, even like you kind of get a feel for what kind of person that is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's. Yeah. It's just they're all pretty well fleshed out. Is that for the having guy, so many the Mullins guy? Because I was just looking at the cast. Yeah, Mullins. I was like that guy Mullins, plays on yeah. uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And all I can yeah. think. <laughs> oh my God! Is he one of the goofy yeah. two detectives? He is. He is. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit! Yeah. As soon as you said that, I was like, I know exactly who he is in Brooklyn Nine Nine, but yeah. I did not make that connection. Yeah. He's funny yeah, as sure. fuck in that mo- in that show. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. It's just his mullet is a little longer in this movie, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's Hitchcock on uh, mm-hmm. Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you you have a couple character actors in there. You have people that in the background. Uh, the two uh, grad students we really get to know the most are Catherine Danforth and Brian Marsh, mm-hmm. uh, played by Lisa Blount and Jameson Parker. Uh, Jameson Parker is basically Tom Atkins for the cheap. Yeah, he yeah he's he's Wish.com Tom <laughs> Atkins. Um, but but a, a good looking son mm-hmm. of a bitch. Yeah, I mean, he you pulls see him with off. his shirt off at one point. <laughs> he's jacked. He's got a sick ass mustache. And the only thing I wrote about him is, ladies, this mustache ain't going home dry. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I would have slept with him after the second day too. You know, uh, I would too. My God, he he he. At one point, he's like, "You want to have a cup of coffee?" Wink, and wink. I I looked over Danny. I'm like, "She's pregnant now." <laughs> like literally, right. he he bought her a cup of coffee. Now she's pregnant. Yeah, he yeah he couldn't help it. He, like he did a little card trick for her, and then yeah. just wet, and then. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, he's he's like he's almost too good looking. Like he doesn't seem real. Mm-hmm. Like he almost has that like uh, you know Carrie Underwood. I'm too good looking <laughs> to seem like a real person thing. Um, yeah. But then he starts doing nerdy magic tricks, and you're like, oh no, he's a fucking dork. Like this yeah. is you know what I mean. Yeah, he- he doesn't he know. He just got he, good looking. He can't have yeah. it all. He doesn't know the power of his good looks because right. it's so covered up in like awkward social interaction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At one point, he says, "Like, I'm a confirmed misogynist and proud of it, or some bullshit, sexist, or whatever." Yeah, yeah. Like, like yeah. dude, not the pickup line. You're miss. You're literally misreading this whole. Situation. You didn't get that. <laughs> you didn't fucking, get that one. You missed. You it. just got. He hot. didn't go through a women's yeah. studies class when he was getting his undergrad. <laughs> So, no, barely not. Which makes you wonder, like, how much work was that mustache doing? You know, like, was it so much, so much? It was doing the heavy lifting. Yeah. And also, like, this whole movie, like, the, uh, listen, I love this movie. Love it, love it. But this movie should be called Prince of Darkness, colon, 
sexually aggressive nerds. <laughs> like that should be <laughs> yeah. the fucking movie. Well, that's just nerds. They can't help themselves. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> sexually aggressive nerds. Prince of Darkness, aka sexually aggressive nerds, aka yeah. just nerds. Yeah, just nerds. Oh, are you saying everybody who's in post grad doesn't have like good social skills? Yes, of course, because all they do is look at books and numbers. <laughs> Just look at books, you fucking dorks. Don't know how to act. The ones yeah. and zeros are shaped out to look like a boob in one of the scenes. You know, <laughs> they're like <laughs> they all have their, their t their t. Translate uh, this, Lisa. Uh, they're T T T eighty two eighty fives or whatever with it just says boobs. <laughs> hey, come check this out. Amazing hey, boobs. check it out. <laughs> there is uh, there is like the one nerd Frank who eventually becomes Bugs. He is he is the most nerd. You mean Mr. Oogie Boogie? Yeah. <laughs> he eventually becomes Bugs. Yeah. I mean, Frank Frank and Etchison. Etchison is the one who gets yeah. the bike. Like, the two of them are obvious nerds, and they might have oh, just come off campus. He has such good lines, though. I, mm-hmm. I, he has so many stupid lines. I'm sure we'll get to, but... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so... Again, uh, Dr. Birik assembles all of these Avengers to come uh, investigate the ooze. They go to the church and like as they're arriving at the church, you get like different shots of like there's always ants crawling on things. The ants are riled up. You Mm -hmm. see various homeless people, including Alice Cooper, just giving Mm -hmm. weird death stares (laughs) as everybody's arriving and loading in. Um, oh, Alice Cooper should have done uh, more acting. I should have. He's yeah. just got to look. I, I don't know if he can deliver a fucking line to he save his life. He would continue to be a great uh, like streetwalker of sorts. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, he could streetwalk. Wait, that's I don't a name know for a hooker. No, Meg. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's prostitute. I'm done with you, too. Streetwalker is street, hooker. Don't need, street he person, been a, you meant. Okay, let's put it in perspective. Alice Cooper could have been a stripper. Yeah. I can I can use that frame. He but could have like, back in the day. No, yeah, sure. I, I was also looking at his name on this, like, around the cast. He's like, he didn't have a name. He was the street schizo. So my mind went to streetwalker. Street oh. schizo. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but a homeless person. You would have street definitely walker. been great on home. Human. That was a word that people called back in the day was, like, appropriate to call somebody a schizo. So it was like calling somebody a spaz. Yeah. Right. Like it's like kind of not cool yeah. now, but uh, but yeah, he, uh, he that's funny that he didn't even have a name in the movie. Like he's well, neither did Don, neither did Donald Ple- uh, Donald Pleasance's name is just Priest. Oh my god, I didn't know that. I assumed yeah. he had a name I didn't know about. No, that's he's, he's just called Priest. Yeah, that's kind of wild. Yeah, that was just John Carpenter. It's like meh. <laughs> priest <laughs> street people i guess nah. i never i mean i've seen this movie a dozen times i never you know i just call him donald pleasants yeah so so I, the other yeah. <laughs> the other thing is like like with the way uh carpenter names some of these characters is like some of them are just like uh he's just paying homage to like other characters and films and books that he likes mm. and like he even does it for himself when he credit he credits himself as the writer in this film, but he credits himself as Martin Quartermass, which is like a reference to two other writers, I believe. Yeah. So he's just he he's just like I don't know. He's a reference guy. He does yeah. nerd shit. He's a fucking nerd, dork. Sure. Yeah, that's yeah. that's cool. I like that. it's, yeah. Look how much I know. <laughs> but if look at but the if things he I've seems read. so offended, yeah. he doesn't. But if he... <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I love this movie. <laughs> 
that's fun. Yeah, but it's like if he can't come up with a fun reference, then it's just priest or street schizo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's no in between. It's yeah, either no unbel- I'm either going to put an unbelievable amount of thought into this or zero thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, as as all of these people arrive, though, you, you kind of get introduced to the different groups and like what they do. You, you have radiologists, you have you know different physicists, you have uh, Lisa who is there to translate the brotherhood of sleep's mm-hmm. book mm-hmm. and this she's is like, like a doctorate theology. in theology yeah, basically yeah theology and dead yeah. languages mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. right and so she she i think she's the biggest conduit for like uh helping the audience understand because mm-hmm. you're always seeing like kind of what she's typing on the screen and like a lot of what she's typing is like you know i am the old one i am the death i am mm-hmm. you know he who is yeah. the devil the satan and it's like yeah. oh it's a jar full of satan shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah big green satan jelly so, yeah i mean she obviously gets like possessed at one point but like almost like the computer does too which like i feel like i wrote down a couple that was like really intrigued where it was just like uh what did it say i live i live i live or something like that you know what I mean? mm-hmm. like whether yeah, yeah, that yeah. was like a weird conduit we don't because i don't if i remember correctly it wasn't like she was typing that so it was just like yeah well, no she was she, was, she okay. was but that's after okay. she mm-hmm. got satan pissed in her mouth already at that point yeah well it was after the here, it was after you know? the other it was after the other girl satan pissed in her yeah. mouth right right yeah satan's satan's uh helper yeah, pissed in her mouth so much satan yeah. piss yeah, yeah. so <laughs> yeah so so what's going on is we're talking about the satan piss but what's going on is the 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 seal is breaking the the ooze is getting out and it's starting to have influence on the world around it and it can start with the smaller creatures like the ants and the worms you start seeing those it can have influence on the weaker minded without physically touching them which is why all the street people are kind of drawn to it and you know are surrounding it and protecting it and then eventually it just straight up pisses in Susan Cabot's mouth. She's the radiologist. <laughs> yeah. It's and, funny because like they're like, it's a it's a conscience. The, the way they describe it, it's like it's a concentrated like stream jet yeah. of energy, stream of energy. And yeah. they're like, maybe it was maybe it was wind or whatever. It's like, no, it was sitting <laughs> pissing in her mouth. It's yeah. the worst socky bomb. Like <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so hot. <laughs> She went. She went straight to a senior frogs and just got it right in the mouth. Senior frogs. Oh my god! It's just a, literally the only one in existence now. Still is at Merton Myrtle Beach, probably. <laughs> probably there might be like one in Cancun that we don't know about. Yeah. But, but yeah. So you know, as that goes, she, uh, she gets possessed and starts doing is doing Satan's bidding. She you know possesses others she gets mullins she gets lisa uh mm-hmm. through lesbianism which is evil <laughs> you know right exactly you have to know again we're talking about how women are demonized by the catholic church well this movie oh, really yeah. isn't that different mm-hmm. so no no like, all satan movies are like the women made all me three do of it ours, yeah it's mm-hmm. Yeah, at, he does. Like, what does she try to say? So she like kind of crawls on top of her when she was in her like cot, and it, and and she thinks she's trying to seduce her. Right. And the the woman who does the you know she's the what was her Susan. Yeah, but Susan, what was her? I'm trying to think of what her discipline was. I can't remember. Radiology. Um, oh, she's a radiologist, yeah. and she's sitting there doing the thing, and uh, she's like, 
um, excuse me, I'm not. It's like she's <laughs> about to say, like, I'm not gay. Yeah. But then she just pisses out of her mouth into her mouth. She's right. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty kinky. Yeah. The yeah. Uh, the other uh, the other woman though. So like you you have this kind of infection building throughout the group. Right. Um, but the other woman, she just bumps into a thing. Yeah. So I, I that that part I've always. I've not never I don't think I've ever thought enough about it to fully understand it because she whacks her arm off one of the machines in the basement at one point Mm -hmm. and And it gives her a bruise bruise. right but then they kind of say it's almost like she's been branded Mm -hmm. yeah because we touched on it earlier where it's like it became a point of like context for hey yeah I have this bruise and everyone's like are you okay like what the what the fuck is that well then it's established that she's going to become the vessel She's just yelling daddy everywhere. Yeah, I just don't know why why the bump had to happen. Couldn't it have just been... Well, because wait, wasn't it um, Catherine who noticed that she had something odd on her arm like earlier in the week. The bruise. But it wasn't the bruise. Yeah, he's like, what's that? At the end, like towards the end when they officially see her as like the vessel, didn't she say she she saw like a symbol or something because she recognized the symbol. Like she, she said, right. Yeah, it was like it bruise. was like some six six six. It was six like shit. a weird symbol. Yeah. That she's like, oh, I remember seeing this, blah blah blah. But she didn't really put two and two together until they're like, oh, Satan's like getting kinky and like spreading his jizz everywhere. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. I. Yeah. It, they. She saw it earlier, but didn't make the connection. But I'm just confused as to why it had to be like. I think it needed to be I covered know. up. I, I think it just needed no. to be covered up. Is what I think I'm getting at. Is that maybe you just mm, needed to like, yeah, like cover? Like they didn't want any more weird suspicions. They're like, oh, a woman got beat. That's normal. But you put a Satan symbol <laughs> on someone's arm. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, 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 I guess. So. I yeah, also yeah. kind of want to make a point yeah. to say, like, with all of this, like, you know, Satan pissing in everyone's mouth. This kind of has like all these like weird zombie <laughs> vibes. So it's like it kind of takes the idea mm-hmm. of like the transmitting from like the thing, but taking in like the zombie trip of this is how it actually spreads. And I think it's right. interesting. I didn't- well, and you wonder too, now now it begs the question of like, oh. okay, is there some like AIDS mm. type thing? I mean, obviously this is like 1987. Mm-hmm. Like, was there some subtext there too? I don't know. John Carpenter typically doesn't i mean he obviously does a ton of social commentary but um i don't know that's for whatever reason doesn't seem to be his his bag but i don't know yeah i'm thinking yeah, about i don't it. know if he was necessarily chasing like an aids narrative but like at the same time he he constantly makes non-zombie zombie films mm-hmm. like he yeah. loves he loves to make non-zombie because like uh assault on precinct 13 is another one where like it's like a horde you know, besieging a place like you see in many other films, but like they're just right. tech, they're not zombies, but they're just meth addicts, you know? Right. Like, <laughs> well, and they live are like secret zombies almost. Right. Like, you know what I mean? It's like they're secret alien I mean, it's, zombies. It's almost like yeah, this like familiar I, thing though to people. So maybe he also, I mean, it is a great, I think, avenue to be able to like create this chaos very quickly. And then, but also mm-hmm. I think the zombies as a whole, and especially thinking about when this one came out, like, it's something that's super familiar. Like, oh, this is how Satan would like spread his seed amongst a bunch of people and create his horde um, to protect mm-hmm. him through this idea of zombies. You know what I mean? But I, I yeah. Right. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. Cause, yeah cause, it's always like an outsider mm-hmm. though. Like that's mm-hmm. the thing, the, the unique thing about not unique, but the thing that is specific to Carpenter is like everyone who is a protagonist is always either an outsider or is in danger of becoming mm-hmm. an outsider. Totally. Right. Yeah. And, and like the, that's also how it kind of plays into like the HP club, uh, Lovecraft, like Cthulhu mythos. That's part of this is, you know, there, there's a lot of like cultism in those in Lovecraft's mm-hmm. writings. So that's yeah. kind of what, like, it's just a quick spreading of a mm-hmm. cult of like believers yeah. and followers of, you know, the Satan goo. So <laughs> yeah. I believe in the Satan goo. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun thing. Yeah. Believe in the Satan goo. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, again, it just, as you're saying, it, like, it just continues to break down further and further. Just, you know, people keep getting picked off. Uh, you have people in peril. You have, it, it starts with Etchison, who is, I don't remember what his discipline is. Mm, um, right. um, was it like some sort of auditory thing or something? He was but, the, oh, he was the yeah. son of the one guy, right? Because he basically came in to like set things up, if I remember correctly. But I don't think it was his son. I thought it, I took it as he was one of his direct oh, okay, students. Maybe, yeah. Okay. yeah. You're, yeah talking about Tru- you're talking about Professor Trumpet Mouth. <laughs> yes. Professor Trumpet Mouth played by <laughs> yeah. Peter Jason, who would later appear in a bunch of other Carpenter yeah. works. But oh, yeah. Peter Jason's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Leahy. Mm-hmm. Um, you're yeah, talking he, about the scrawny yeah. guy who comes in and has got the headphones on. I thought guy. he was like an MRI guy or something. maybe maybe it was MRI. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he he. He, he directly reported to Dr. Leahy, but mm-hmm. he was allowed to leave. And on his way out, he gets the bike from Alice yes. Cooper. Alice yeah. Cooper murders him with a bicycle, which is a great sentence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he goes outside and Alice Cooper murders him with a bicycle. <laughs> right. As as he's listening to Prince of Darkness by Alice Cooper. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't know. I did not yeah. make that he's connection. Like, the only way I'm going to play this play this role as if you put one of my songs that's actually how he got paid probably <laughs> yeah royalties that was the exposure he got paid with the exposure at that point yeah Do you that's think w- at this point alice cooper it was really really into golf already <laughs> you know what i mean like it's so weird that alice cooper is like this like you know obviously iconic rock star very much associated with you know creepy stage theatrics and and halloween in mm-hmm. particular yeah um but then also, like, he really, really loves to golf. Like, he's obsessed <laughs> with golf. <laughs> it really takes some of the mystique out. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I know, like, I know, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, Slayer, you know, the band or whatever. Like, they mm-hmm. probably like to go windsurfing and shit like right. that. But something, <laughs> something about Alice Cooper being, like, super into golf bums me out. I don't know why. Well, it's and like I don't even dislike. I like to play golf. I don't mind. You know, I'm not, like, yeah. a hardcore golfer, but I like well, it. But something about him playing golf bums me out. I don't know why. You know, it's kind of like he is the official daddy of darkness, but he also wears whitey tighties. <laughs> Yeah, but there's something like kind of metal about that. I'm fine with him wearing tidy whities, but like something about him like wearing like loud golf pants and like just bugs you. (laughs) Yeah, something about Alice Cooper wearing like a like a 
a, any type of hat that would be appropriate for golf really bums me out. I don't know why. <laughs> like not a top hat. <laughs> yeah, it's not black. a top. Hat. All of his clothes are actually black when he goes golfing. That's so the thing is they're not, not though. They're, they're not. not. I've he seen dresses normal. <laughs> Let me live in my dream. I world know here, it bums me out. Well, first time I ever saw him like golfing, and he had like regular ass golf clothes on, and he was wearing like a Hawaiian button down type of shirt. Yeah. I was like, he went to Margaritaville too. Yeah, yeah it bums it's, me out. I don't know why. It's tangential, but like. I've seen the lead singer of Cannibal Corpse. Like he posted a video of him like buying Lego sets at Target. I so, saw that he's super into Legos. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. What's his name so, again? Uh, George Corpse Grinder Corpse, Fisher. Yeah, Corpse Grinder. Say, Corpse grinder. Yeah. I always want to call him Nathan Explosion. I mean, it's the basis. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Corpse Grinder buying Lego. He's super into Legos. But like that doesn't offend me. Like my sensibilities, for whatever reason, I'm like metal. Like is like people who are obsessed with you know the insane musicianship. Mm-hmm. I know he's a singer, not a, not a guitar player, or drummer, or something. But like something about like the intricacy of building like models or legos like that makes sense in the metal ethos for okay. me but something <laughs> not about golf because it's like if so were, like, white the, and so privileged yeah, i know it's so privileged. i think that's it okay it's like if he was into like shooting craps in an alley i'd be like oh sick, <laughs> sick. <laughs> if he was like a really good back rat player you might be okay yeah, with it okay that's cool he goes and plays chess in the park against like people yeah. you know what i mean but yeah cool but if no, he's gambling and golf, smoking it's great but yeah no. <laughs> something about golf which are some of the biggest degenerates i know are like hardcore golfers yeah. but something about it just really i don't know rubs me All well, let's let's veer off this tangent of no, golf and metal. No, this is a metal. different episode now. Yeah, <laughs> Brian hates golf, and this is why. I like golf. I just hate that Alice Cooper golfs. <laughs> but yeah, so everybody's getting infected, uh, and you just have these people running into different you know scenarios where they're getting trapped. My favorite, though, obviously Meg already brought it up, is Lisa is on the computer. And she she's just completely zoned out and she's just typing over and over. I live, I live, I live. And Mm -hmm. you get uh, one of the other characters, uh, Calder, comes to check in on her. And he's just like, what's going on here? And like (laughs) she stops typing. I live over and over and then starts typing. uh, What is the the Holy Ghost won't save you? The God yeah. plutonium won't save you. In fact, <laughs> you won't be saved. And that's fucking metal. <laughs> yeah. In no, exclamation yeah, I, points. And yeah. Shit. Was that also when I or if it was like, I don't know if it was someone vocalized it, but there was another line around that that I noted and it said, like, pray for death. And I was like, wow, oh, that's a little that's, a, that's the other one. OK, OK. That's but when that's Frank who bu- becomes bugs. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's when he yes. comes. He's like, you're not going to like what oh, I'm about yeah. to tell you or something. I have a yeah. message for yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> and you ain't yeah. going to like it. Yeah. <laughs> the the whole time this is also going on though is like people are falling asleep and they're getting this strange grainy vision right. and it's coming yeah. in and it's just a dark figure outside of the entrance of the church uh and it's just repeating a message over and over and it's not it it's not clear but you know you get enough repetitions of it that it starts to be clear that, oh, this is a message and it's being sent to everybody. It's not just a dream, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is uh, it's like a radio transmit. It's almost yeah. like an SOS transmission or yeah. something. Yeah. And no one really knows that the other person is no really talking about it either, too, right. which I think is pretty good. I'm glad that, yeah. that they didn't, you know. Yeah. No, nobody's talking about it until like Donald Pleasance brings it up to uh, Dr. Birick is 
uh like you know uh, dr birik has the dream and he's like oh have you seen it too and he's like mm-hmm. oh yeah it's like not part of my subconscious i wouldn't think about that i don't know what that is yeah um and then and, uh brian brings it up that like they get some readouts about it and it goes oh like perhaps it's traveling on tachyons which mm-hmm. is you know not it's it's faux science in a way i guess but they're trying to mm-hmm. say like this is a message that's being beamed backwards in time to them like if you're so, faster than the speed of light it, if it's being transmitted faster than the speed of light then it will appear to go backwards or something mm-hmm. yeah so they basically explain it's like S- superman 2 right where he right. flies backwards <laughs> around the it's essentially that but science instead of superheroes yeah 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 so it's just enough, you know, science that like, hey, the regular Joe won't check in on that. <laughs> and they'll just mm-hmm. go, oh, I heard Don't that. Ta- Google this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you couldn't because it was 87. So it's oh, fine. It was 87. There's no Google. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to go into yeah. a library. It's like, hey, I heard tachyons goes backwards. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't going books on that. <laughs> I just imagine the guy going like, because it's not even looking up the tweets. It's literally like Dewey Decimal System looking up tachyons. Yeah. <laughs> And then he's scrolling through all the backwards. Like he's just backwards? trying to figure out how to fi- look it up. Just flipping through the card catalog. Like, I don't know if any of these books is going to help me. <laughs> There's like someone working at the front desk, like snapping their gum. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I saw it in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> You're the third dork this week who came in and asked that question. <laughs> but yeah, they gather up as a group. Uh, they're being chased. And that's when... You get Frank the Bugs Man. He's outside the window and he warns him. And basically, after the after Frank falls into bugs and falls apart, that's when shit really happens because Calder has been turned, Mullen Mullins has been turned, and they just get chased in the rooms. They're barricading themselves. Yeah. Kelly is the one who had bumped her arm, and she's asleep on a cot. Right. And she, her body is degrading, but she's also getting very pregnant. Mm hmm. And can, can, can we still do a one line, one line that we kind of skipped over, which I forgot about? This was even before Frank turns into bugs, mm-hmm. before he goes full uh, oogie boogie on everyone. Is sure. When they're outside, whenever they first see uh, the one girl who, I think it's Susan, who has already got Satan pissed in her mouth already. Yeah. And they're like, why do you believe this? And he's like, this is Kaka. Oh, and- <laughs> fuck. I had that written down, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's such a good line. And I kept him every time I read that, I imagine or every time I see that scene, I imagine when he's like, it's Kaka. And then they see the <laughs> the homeless person that starts to have beetles come out of their like pant legs and like, you know, shirt and stuff like that. Yeah. And I always thought it would be really funny if he's like, this is Kaka. And he looks over and sees the beetles coming out and goes. Kaka? Kaka? I don't know. I don't know. I just imagine that happening. It's funny for me, but. Yeah. It, I mean, it's it's funny as like a rule of three because like he's <laughs> he's talking to the group. Uh, yeah. uh, I think it's like Calder and uh, uh, Leahy. And like he's telling them, he's like, we got to get out of here. Like, this is all nonsense. This isn't the devil yeah. downstairs. He's like, right, this right. is Kaka. And then they leave <laughs> and he's by himself and he's just like quietly to himself. He's just like, it's Kaka. <laughs> <laughs> and then like when he sees the Beatles, he go, Kaka? Kaka? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I forgot. I did have that written down just because it's it's so I don't know. Saying caca is so out of not place. The way they're talking at right. all, like it's just such a weird word to use. I thought it was really funny. Yeah. Um, Everything yeah, else has he, been science or horny, but yeah, he's just yeah, like yeah. It's caca. <laughs> Sexually aggressive nerds, but now he's like it's caca. Yeah. Um, but he does say it. Uh, this is when he, you know, when he does melt into bugs is when he comes out and they're all looking at the window and it's, uh, you know, there's like three or four people. This is the first time that like somebody like a group of people see some wacky shit Mm -hmm. which is and he goes and he's got this very deep you know weird distorted voice and he's like i've got a message for you and you're not gonna like it pray for death and then that's when he Mm -hmm. becomes he just melts into bugs oh his head falls off great Yeah, his head falls backwards off the body and the body's still standing and then just everything else falls apart like it just and bugs everywhere. He. This was the first time my brother saw this movie, and uh, we, like I said, we were sitting out in the yard drinking, watching this movie. And when his head falls off, he goes, "Oh goddamn!" <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, actively said, "Like oh shit!" or "Oh goddamn!" or something. <laughs> it's just such a thing you don't see it coming. He's like, "Oh wait, he's got bugs. What off?" Like his yeah. head falls off. <laughs> so yeah, like you said, after that, and that's when everything you know falls apart because it's the first time a group has seen everything. They try to escape and like the what they weren't aware of where the street people were building barricades outside uh, and just to keep them in. And then one of my other favorite scenes in this is uh, it's like after is somebody is killed and Donald Pleasance is with them and he's going to give them last rites. And mm. just something about like the way he's doing it, he just completely falls apart and loses you can just watch him like lose his religion in that scene Mm -hmm. he just completely falls apart as a person Mm -hmm. and it's yeah Mm -hmm. it's fantastic i know what scene you're talking about i can't think of who who we're talking about here i think it like uh, what i think it's uh maybe it's it's the guy who, who uh it's not the guy who slits his own throat is it was that calder because i feel like he was like the priest was in that room when that happens and they're all like around him that's why i'm remembering Mm -hmm. this but i don't remember i know what scene you're talking about but i don't remember who he's like you know presiding the rights over yeah yeah which sidebar calder is like i feel like his character after he gets turned just like continuously cracked me up i was just he just like cackling walking around so sweaty yeah yeah he's like you're like whoa he's like insane he's not necessarily like possessed but it's almost like he didn't fully get turned because he like cut his he like slid his throat he's a he's an interesting character because you know Mm -hmm. he doesn't play a big part at any point really Mm -hmm. but like he is I mean, he's physically, he's very tall. Mm -hmm. So like, I guess that makes him like physically intimidating, but he doesn't, he doesn't seem to have his faculties about him in the way that the other quote unquote possessed people do. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, like, uh, Lisa and Susan are very much in the, like just straight mindset possessed. Right. Like they're being controlled and like like worker bees kind of. Yeah, they're pretty much drones for Satan. Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah, mm-hmm. Calder, he's like he's weepy, he's confused, uh, and he is the first one to approach the mirror, right? To to uh, what you'll eventually learn is like release the father, you know, mm-hmm. which is you know big Satan. Uh, yeah, he approaches the mirror, but like he has no power or control. 
And so he's just like constantly touching the mirror, but crying because he can't do anything with it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it was kind of it's kind of a strange scene because you're like. You don't know at this point that necessarily the the mirror is like the conduit for or or the the portal, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like you don't really right. fully understand that. Probably the first time you're watching at this point, but he's you th- you think that he's responding that way to his own reflection, right? Mm-hmm. It's weird. I don't know. It's, it's, I think that's why he came off as like a little bit crazy mm-hmm. in general, you know, yeah. versus so. Because he's also has his throat cut. He cut right. his own throat. Mm-hmm. And then he's got like gauze on his throat. So you're like, you think that he's responding to that, maybe? I don't know. It's a it's it's a strange yeah. scene. Well, yeah, I think I think first time through you would see it, you think he's responding to like the way he's degraded and like he just looks mm-hmm. insane to himself and like, you know, his throat cut. But then, mm-hmm. you know, through Kelly, you know, like putting her fingers in the mirror compact and touching mm-hmm. to the other side yeah. yeah and then she comes and like opens the big porter portal yeah mm-hmm. you realize like oh he was trying to open it some way because like you, perhaps it was just like a thing in his brain telling them to do that but he like was an instinctual thing yeah but he wasn't the chosen one that kelly was mm-hmm. you know he yeah. wasn't he wasn't the full vessel so he only knew like you know uh, uh, get the mirror but not you know actually do anything with it um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's what you, that's what you see. You see Kelly is her skin has basically melted off. She looks like a grosser version of the, they live aliens. Cause yeah, pretty know, much she's With like, like the big mm-hmm. gaps and her skin is like yeah. split almost. And yeah. And she's like near skeletal, uh, and she finds the mirror and she begins to release the giant Satan uh, even pulling his arm through the other side, you get just like you a see his big Satan mitt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get a, you get a quick shot. Hella horny for a scene. But Catherine comes and sacrifices herself and runs them both through the mirror. Right. And uh, priest throws the axe that he had previously decapitated Kelly with to no effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't yeah. really do that much. Which that that's also a great effect. I kind of breeze through too fast but like that's a great effect because he just decapitates her but then pull she pulls her head back up off the ground and mm-hmm. but the the shot lingers so you see all the goop yeah. still on the floor as it pulls right. up sticky and gross so, but yeah, <laughs> yeah that's cool. but yeah he throws the axe at the mirror and breaks the mirror supposedly trapping Catherine on the other side uh with the prince of darkness and big satan so Mm-hmm. We, I like him, big, big Daddy Satan. Yeah, big, big Satan. Satan. Yeah, big the, Satan, little Satan. I'm in the big, big Satan. Nog little Nog. Yeah. <laughs> but we uh, flash forward to that transmission again, and mm-hmm. it is this time we get the full full transmission, and it is a full explanation that it doesn't matter what they did now because in 1999 Satan gets released. And mm-hmm. at the door, you see very quickly as a final flash, it's Catherine standing at the door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. So is she Satan now? Is it like mm-hmm. it's a little ambiguous. Right. Or is she like a protector? Like because it changed because before it was just a black cloaked figure. Right. Now, all of a sudden, it's it's Catherine. So it's my so it's my interpretation that uh, Catherine becomes Big Satan because uh, hmm. it, 
what we're watching is essentially a video transmission. Mm-hmm. And so like I'm I'm taking it as like whoever, you know, perhaps the 1999 surviving uh, version of the Brotherhood of Sleep like is recording the arrival of Satan mm-hmm. and sending it backwards in time. And like they're they're trying to warn everybody in 1987 to not yeah. let her go through the mirror because she'll just come back as Satan. Oh, but they okay. don't. So but it's the, a, oh, that makes sense now that the Schrodinger's cat thing that they talk about earlier actually makes sense. I didn't think of, I've never as many times I've seen this movie. I've never thought that much about that ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always took it as it was Satan basically like tempting them to like come get you know i'm, I'm mm. coming back so like you better like it was almost like tempting them to come save her so oh, yeah. that he could have a conduit to the outside world but now that you now that you say that that makes a lot more sense because earlier Catherine and what's what's his name the guy who's always talking about like his porsche and like all that bullshit the guy from uh big trouble little china oh dennis dunn i i forget his yeah. name and is it walter in yeah. this movie something like that he's they're talking about schrodinger's cat yeah and they're basically talking about how like until the cat is observed in the box you never have you have they it it belongs in a state of perpetual you know limbo where it is both alive and dead until somebody is there to witness it and and basically like (laughs) bring it to to its 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 real like physical state at that point Mm -hmm. and i guess that that kind of is trying to explain what Catherine was to them. Hold on, I'm doing a bad job of describing this. <laughs> that that original dream transmission of the future showed a blacked cloaked figure because they had not yet observed her and therefore she was in a state of both alive and dead but now that mm-hmm. she is quote unquote dead or in the the the, the underworld or wherever the fuck satan lives mm-hmm. now they can mm-hmm. see her for what she is right interesting but it's weird because other that the, now that i'm kind of making that connection it's changing my interpretation of her character at large because otherwise i would have suggested that she is like a jesus she's like a christ-like figure mm-hmm. hmm. you know well, I, I feel like, I mean, I, I like where this is going with the idea, because I think, did, was there ever a second Prince of Darkness? No, no, no. Okay, because I feel like that would be an interesting sequel, though, because I think it could go a lot of ways, because when I initially saw that, I, in the same way, I've, I feel like she never actually died, and that thinking about this as a future future situation that she somehow survived this entire time however she did that whether she just was a little bit more cunning because she kind of always came off as someone who kind of had a plan or was able to figure things out but maybe somehow came back to try to like almost finish the job yeah i don't know yeah maybe that has less legs than what you're saying you know no, but, um, I, I mean that's kind of close to like what i initially thought uh, about it but it's just such an mm-hmm. the, the reason i love this movie so much i mean otherwise like the story's great it's got like the music's fucking awesome you know mm-hmm. satan is a fucking big uh, you know cylinder of green goo that's rad like everything about it's cool but i love that it's such an ambitious story yeah <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. such a <laughs> super like an uber nerd thing to do is go like you know what i'm so smart 
I'm going to explain everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like such an, yeah. an arrogant, super nerd thing to do. And I fucking kind of love it. And not, not just explain everything, but explain it in such a way that, yes, it's still supernatural, but it's not all that dumb shit you thought. Christ was an alien, you goof. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like it is supernatural, but all that bullshit that you thought was magic is actually science, you bitch. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, this movie yeah. rules. Yeah. Um, and and they funny. don't they don't spoon feed you everything, you know, in terms no, of like what it means. Obviously not, because like there's so still cool. the, the ending is still so open to in- interpretation for all of us. Yeah. So yeah. But yeah, it, it, yeah, it's not about spoon feeding you like the complete ending because you're supposed to kind of make your own assumption of like what it means. Like, obviously, the, the message is a warning, but like what kind of warning, you know, what does 1999 yeah, look like? It, yeah, yeah, because Donald Pleasance, he he he's like very like self-congratulatory almost like mm-hmm. he, he's like we beat him back we saved the world from yeah. the devil and they're like no mm-hmm. bitch you didn't yeah <laughs> you know yeah and, but i mean it it's just good uh character work in that way because like i said like you have the scene where he you essentially just watch him lose his religion and his faith mm-hmm. but he still continues on and he still fights you know because just because it's not what he was taught and what he believed doesn't mean that it's not evil and that it should mm-hmm. be stopped. So, you know, that's, you know, just, mm-hmm. just a nice character arc for him. Um, but yeah, it's uh, that's Prince of darkness. That movie rules. It's an unsung <laughs> hero because I, I always equate this movie to Francis Ford Coppola's the conversation because mm, I've, st- I've never seen it still never saw yeah, it and a lot of people haven't and like but the conversation is an amazing movie that movie fucking rules this movie fucking rules but mm-hmm. the catalogs on either side because you have yeah. the godfather and apocalypse now and all the other shit <laughs> godfather yeah. two, and then on this one you have the thing and halloween and you know, like there's so many other bangers this one yeah. kind of falls to the wayside but it's yeah. still better than most other movies out there. So <laughs> yeah, it's 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 like a top ten, top twenty horror movie for me, and it's my third favorite John Carpenter movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't have much bad to say about this Mm-mm. besides like the the only thing I always think about when I watch this movie is it's such a giant, giant, grandiose idea. Mm-hmm. But it's such a small story. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm not saying that it should have been like, oh, apocalyptic, you know, type of thing. But I'm like, look at Life Force. Yeah. They took a big grandiose idea and they brought it into the world, real world in a grandiose way. I'm not saying they had to go that way, but it does feel like a really small story mm-hmm. for such a big idea. Right. Yeah. This is this like if they made this again today, they wouldn't make it as a movie. It would be like one of those 10 part limited series. And it it would be like where you jump back and forth where like you're in 87 and you're in 99 and like, you, Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that too. I I would like that. I think that would actually be interesting though. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to like, this is not a movie that I like. It's so perfect in its time and place, mm-hmm. and like the story, I wouldn't want to like yeah. ruin it with that. It's only worth updating because of how dated the technology looks in this film. 
Sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah. other than know, that. It's so charming, though. Yeah. I love that they're out there, like, just <laughs> plugging in fucking 220 lines and all the. Also, that's right. what I kept saying is, like, there's no way this church has the, can support all this. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's too much power. Immediately. Yeah, there's too much power load. <laughs> all the. Uh, they, have, like, they have, like, a 10 amp system on that fucking. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just all the church. dot matrix printers printing out like all the printouts <laughs> constantly coming <laughs> but yeah all right oh, cool i had fun with that one um well meg listen you chose you you chose to to to, to you know push us across the finish line here yeah you Let's know what i it. like doing with you guys is like i like going last because i can just like keep it short and simple straightforward <laughs> and get us out of here well that's you know? fine because at the beginning <laughs> a little uh, under the under the tent we always go all right let's let's try to like keep it a little tighter i mean and i do that and then i talk forever so that's yeah, kind of my time. mo yep. it's and a then slowly surely yeah. yeah so here we are we're like let's try to keep this under like two and a half hours <laughs> we're currently at two and a half hours yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, no, I mean, I feel like Rosemary's Baby is, I mean, I feel like at this point, so many people have seen it and know, like, how great of a film it is. And so I'll try to keep the synopsis pretty, I did I just hear someone snore and laugh? <laughs> I don't know, I just, <laughs> like, I just, I just like how grand, like, how grand you're coming in. Everybody knows oh, yeah. how awesome <laughs> this movie everybody is. Knows. <laughs> it is, it's just such a classic, you know, you know, Steve? <laughs> I heard this story, I was like, Excuse me. <laughs> Coming in. You should have started with like, we all know this is the best movie of the three. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we all know. We all know. We've all accepted this. <laughs> Don't say anything. You know, I did put out a pseudo poll, like just to see what what people would actually think, and I didn't put who had which movie. I did see and, this, and and mine had nine. Brian's had four. Prince of Darkness had zero, which I was kind of sad about because I did really like Prince of Darkness. Mm. Uh, but uh, I was a little sad. But hey, I'm just putting that out there as Dems the fact. I didn't I didn't engage because I knew you were up to no good. Yeah. <laughs> you were doing no, some you guys, sort of. I know right now you guys are doing so you're like mentally prepared to de- dethrone me today, <laughs> um, which is fine. But I'm wearing my fucked by Satan flannel right now. So I'm hoping it's like my good luck charm, which whatever luck has nothing to do with this. He's on your side. I have a Milwaukee Bucks t-shirt on. I don't think that is really going to get any, you know, preferential you know, treatment Brian, from this Satan. This seg- segment is about me and Rosemary's baby. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. All right. All right. All right. Good. Hey. Hey. Anywho, uh, yeah, Rosemary's Baby came out in 1968. Uh, directed by Roman Polanski. Um. We're going to just keep moving on from that uh, based on the story by Ira Levin basically open. And one of the scenes that I'll just like point out that I thought was pretty neat in looking at some of some of the behind the scenes film is like that overshot of like basically the building that Rosemary and Guy go to look at is called like this, like it's called the Dakota and apparently was a super attractive, like elite type building um, and even housed at one point Boris Karloff. And I think that's pretty fucking cool. Um, but I feel like they're setting up a scene of trying to understand that, like you kind of get a hint that maybe guy is coming into more money with his acting. So they're like, let's, you know, let's class up our lives a little bit. Let's do something. Um, like let's, 
give ourselves something to kind of keep grow and build a family and so on and so forth. Do, and do you know the other piece of hi- history associated with the Dakota? Yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was like associated with John Lennon. Yeah. That's being where murdered jo- right outside. Yeah. That's where John Lennon and, uh, and, uh, 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 oh my God, why am I blanking on her name right now? Yoko Ono, um, mm-hmm. lived when he was shot across the street in the park in strawberry fields. Yeah. Yeah. I found it interesting that that was, um, but anyway, I feel like besides like kind of giving the significance of just like the building, it's again, like I said, they're trying to kind of come up in like this elite society. Cause you, when you start meeting the people in the building, like they kind of play it off, like they're not like, but they're kind of part of this quote unquote society of sorts, but they never really allude to what kind of society. I also find it interesting that I think there is a significance to this building. Cause we really don't like, they don't really know much of the history and you're like, why would they choose this building or why would they want to go into this house that um, besides like possibly being Lord, maybe by Satan of sorts. Cause at this point guy doesn't know shit about shit. Mm. He's pretty much just a bitch ass. Um, who's trying to make it uh, as an actor. Can you yep. not call John Cassavetes a bitch ass? <laughs> oh no, I'm saying his character. I just even, even still. That's fine. It doesn't feel Come right. On. Disre- the disrespect. Disrespected. Um, I also find his like actual real life last name so funny and being so close to what is it? The cast of vets mm-hmm. is like, it the is. Character. It's mm-hmm. a weird, I, I, I wonder was, if he took any, um, no, cause this was based on a, it was based, based on a, on a book, novel, so. which I yeah, never read so the novel. So I don't coincidence. know. It's all coincidence, but I'm um, talking a little bit about a couple of other characters. The first one that I recognize was Ruth Gordon. Cause I, when I was younger, I was a huge fan of Harold and Maude and I thought that was it. So mm-hmm. I know you guys probably would know more about some of the other actors in this film i don't know if you want to speak to anyone specifically but because the only thing i found like super interesting it's just like a weird goofy fact is that uh the both ruth gordon and uh the guy who plays her husband roman in this film they were both born mm-hmm. in 1890s mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah i mean i was gonna There's say they were in there they were yeah yeah yeah. They were old as fuck. <laughs> well, because they, you know, you think they were probably in their like 80s when this movie was shot, you know what right. I mean? And so it was. Yeah, it was, I was going through that and I saw a couple of people. Or 70s, that was like, even. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I feel like, there's, I mean, a lot of people had already passed away, which is interesting. Phil Leeds also stuck out to me a little bit as Dr. Shran when looking at the cast list. He was really familiar. I feel like he play, like plays a very cliche, like older gentleman on like a lot of shows, mm-hmm. like sitcom type shows. Well, he was also um, in, um, was he in Beethoven? No, that was Charles Grodin. Oh, that's the other doctor. Yeah. Okay. Cause there's the doctor, the doctor, the Satan doctor, and there's the doctor she goes to, to, um, uh, yeah, uh, I think basically Dr. Strand's just one of the Satanists. Yeah, like the other doctor. Yeah. yeah, I'm thinking about the other doctor. Yeah, Dr. Hill, Grodin. I believe. is That's Dr. And Hill then, is yeah, Charles Dr. Shib- Yeah, And the other one's Dr. Shapiro. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so we introduced them um, going in and checking out this house, and they decide to buy it. And pretty quickly, um, we meet Minnie and Roman, which Roman's like, those are the, the two older couple that are... I, I think it was interesting and I like about like the cast and the characters of this is that they sometimes come off as being like a little bit eccentric, but you kind of like get to know them very quickly because of that. And I mean, you called it out, Brian, as being a little bit of like an art house film, but I feel like I don't want to call them characters. I don't think that's really the right phrasing for it, but I, I just feel like they have a lot of personality that you get to know pretty quickly. Yeah, they're pretty eccentric, mm-hmm. I would say mm-hmm. overall, which is, yeah, I imagine in 
intended to be in contrast to the otherwise like very um like very realism based interpretation of their life sure yeah and it's and i feel like it gives you this perception of like especially the way the words they talk about like um like part of the society um they kind of build i think this air around that it could be something that might be like this elite upper class thing but obviously we come to find out it's something completely different um once they get into the house uh rosemary quickly meets terry who's living with minnie and roman and I mean, eventually you kind of get the hint that maybe Terry is living. She kind of comes across like she's like a recovering from like drugs or just trying to get her off the street and help her out and help her get um, like get a better life. But, you know, really coming to find out she has the pendant that eventually is given to Rosemary. That's kind of looked as like this good luck charm. That the stinky has pendant. The t- <laughs> yeah, the Tannis root pendant. Mm. And so um, that's something like we kind of quickly get to know. And so eventually like, through the movie, you're like, holy shit, they probably were thinking that Terry was going to be, you know, this vessel for Satan, Satan's child to come to life. Um, yeah, she was meet- plan A. Did not yeah. pan out. <laughs> And it's pretty quick. I don't, I mean, I don't really know if there could have been, I'm glad that it kind of was like a quick in and out. Um, or did she have like, or did they have like, you know, they just weren't trying not to put all their eggs in one basket or something, you know? Well, I feel like maybe they met Rosemary and they're like her. Yeah. Or because they're oh, the cult oh, and, and they're technically they, witches. Oh, I see. And then they were like, oh no, this, 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 this is the person we want. This other one, fuck off. Yeah. Hmm. Well, also they're witches, so they like are clearly Satanists, and so if like they're getting messages from Satan, then Rosemary's the better vessel. Then let's go with this person. So let's yeet Harry off hmm. the building. I always took it as Rosemary was Plan B because the other one killed herself. See, no, that I took. I don't think no, so. I took it I, as they. No, what you're of saying Terry. makes more yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, what you're saying makes more sense. I just don't think I ever paid enough attention to that part. <laughs> yeah. I, I just um, what I don't like about that specifically is because there's like this ignorance around the whole situation. Granted, I think the Tannis route um, kind of I looked in a little bit about it, but the whole idea for like the way they used it in this is like it's also a way of like mind control or control mm-hmm. Rosemary as a character. So um, she kind of like really plays off this like very naive, like go with the flow. Granted her interaction with guy the whole time she's like gaslit this entire movie yeah whether it's from the witches or whether it's from her husband who is now part becoming part of their cult um but she kind of just goes along with it but i think reading about the tannis root being some kind of like mind control or controlling um root or herb uh, i think kind of explains a lot of that do you guys think that this is completely just stream of consciousness there, but I never made that connection before because I never realized that the Tannis root thing. Do you think then they selected the name Rosemary for some reason as well? Because that's like a an herb that's oftentimes used in like um like witchcraft and stuff like that. I think I think that's much more of an obnoxious um writer thing that it was written in the book mm-hmm. that way. Because writers can yeah. be obnoxious and referential that way. And I think that's why it was done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I, th- you're, I think curious. you're on the right page. It might page, have been just but... a popular name. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it could, I think it could have also been a really popular name because I feel like it comes. It's like I put that in like with Barbara, Eleanor. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Very I, common maybe, name I, I of the I time. I didn't think about it like that, but 
definitely could be um thing so we're, we're finding out that like Minnie and Roman are like trying to get really close to the family or get close to Rosemary and Guy and they're inviting them over for dinner and Guy specifically is getting close to them and since he's an actor and he's like really trying to make it in this world um you again we don't put it together immediately but as we kind of learn about it and we start learning the intentions of Minnie and Roman we have Guy who's just willing basically to sell his soul to the devil to be successful and that's mm-hmm. pretty much his role in this whole fucking movie. Um, but he's basically the like the conduit to get Rosemary to do whatever they want her to do. And so that's where all like I just it's like you get annoyed at one point. You're like, at some point, can you just tell this guy to go fuck himself? It's like, so yeah, I don't hard. It, it, yeah. you, you have so many conflicting. <laughs> every time I watch this movie, I have so many conflicting thoughts because it's like everything is really like I would describe this movie as distressing. <laughs> like yeah. it's just like you're well, you're mad at everyone, including Rosemary. Mm-hmm. You get like sure. frustrated yeah. with her. Not like mad at her, more frustrated with her. Um, but you're also scared for her. Mm-hmm. And you understand that she's being gaslit and she's being, but you constantly want to be like, tell her to fuck off, tell him to fuck off. But like, yeah, that's not that's the story not really the they're trying to tell. Also. Well, and that's also not the story they're trying to tell. Like she is being controlled she's being manipulated and yeah. like it's kind of victim blaming to like think that way but you you can't help but because you're empathizing with her you can't help but put yourself in her position and you want to mm-hmm. say tell him to fuck off poke him in the eye stab him with a fork you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah totally and I, I mean i also think about the time and place of it that it may not have been comfortable for her to have ever even oh, certainly stepped out not. Of, you know what yeah. i mean so and she also it, that, it suggested that she she led a very um um sheltered life up to this right. point like she was raised in this very conservative catholic family and so yeah it would have been very much bucking the norm for her to push back at all totally so jumping to like one of like a good peak moment of where some twists start happening and i'm definitely jumping ahead of a lot of like the little detail here but the chocolate mousse scene so mm-hmm. um basically guy and rosemary like let's have a baby. We're going to bang tonight. So let's have a really nice dinner to basically, you know, get the juices flowing, whatever. So Minnie brings over the chocolate mousse, which Rosemary immediately is like, something's weird about this. I don't really like it. Guy asserts her that it's like, yep, nope, it's good. Yeah. You can, you can, you can eat it. And she ends up dumping it out. However, she is still drugged at this point. And this is where we get, I think one of the most interesting scenes. And I think this movie does, has a way about creating this like what is fact versus what is reality and i think this is the point where that twist starts happening where you you kind of know what reality is and what her dream state is but at the same time every kind everything kind of seems so surreal you're like this nah no this isn't happening this is this is just in her head um so she's drugged and then basically the cult has satan rape her and impregnate her like a and like a full-on hairy full dude on. satan you don't yeah. see him but you see his see pieces you see yeah. his hands bit of like his hands yeah. and his eyes basically and you can see that it's not human whatever it is exactly but it's this very dreamlike state yeah it, it, it's mm. interesting because like I, I like these dream states because they're so bizarre and like they're they're probably the best filmed sequences i think in the film it, but they're mm-hmm. like they're so bizarre and they have this quality of 
there's like dialogue and things happening and it's things that like what she's hearing is obviously what's being said in the real world but it's being said Mm -hmm. in like this non-contextual way to her and so it like Mm -hmm. yeah Right. And like you know, everybody's just naked and they're at the ocean and then they're not at the ocean. And <laughs> yeah. And then like also you, like and I think like, to what you're saying too, like when guy is like talking, you kind of already get this state that like he's not he's not in control of any of the situation. Mm. He's part of who's being controlled, which I think is like a pretty significant point and why like you get kind of more mad at him and annoyed. Yeah, she's like selling like, him. She He sold her out yeah, basically right. for his exactly. own self-interest. Exactly. Yeah. So we come to find out she is actually pregnant with Satan's baby, but she doesn't know that. Um, she goes to see Dr. Hill, which is who she um, like who she was recommended to first. Um, and he takes some blood tests and he I mean, he notices something off about it. He's like, we need to get more blood. And so you don't really kind of and she ends up not following through because Minnie and Roman find out she's pregnant and they're like, no, you're going to go to Dr. Saperstein. And he's, he works with all of our clients. He works with all this. And I think what's interesting too, is that, you know, pretty close right after this, uh, one of their old friends, Hutch, who's a writer, um, he kind of comes in and visits and it's like, wow, you don't look great. And so on and so forth. But he, backs up that Dr. Saperstein is like an actually a good doctor because his grandchildren were delivered by him. So she starts feeling this confidence based on someone she trusts. However, he still is hinting and kind of like something doesn't seem right. You shouldn't be losing weight. You know, you look very ill and she feels pretty ill pretty much from the moment she gets pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, during that visit, Hutch also noticed he ends up losing a glove, which we kind of find out guy took so that, you know, cause he has these weird suspicions, you know, he's, he knows them really well and he's looking out for, uh, Rosemary. And, um, so he basically gives the glove to the Satanist and, uh, so that they can control him. Mm-hmm. And he becomes ill pretty close after that. However, because he has suspicions, he starts looking into what, what is actually going on here. And, um, I'll leave like what he ends up giving her later. Um, but we kind of find out that Hutch, Hutch ends up like going ill and he kind of falls off. He was supposed to meet Rosemary and then doesn't meet her. Um, however, uh, she does get a hold of Grace Cardiff, who's I, I think that's like someone he works with. So like his like, I don't know, assistant or something like that. I'm not um, sure. Can, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember the other character because there's like her friends, like all of her. Yeah, this, yeah, which is not that. I'm trying to think of who else that Grace was. Grace is the one that when she's on the phone and she tries to be like, where it, like she tried to call Hutch and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, be like, hey, where was he? Um, and Grace is the one who answers the phone and just lets her know that he fell ill and that's why he couldn't make it. So mm-hmm. she kind of, again, goes along with it. She accepts a lot of like the reality of what's happening even if it feels very off and weird, you know, even to the point of with Minnie and Roman trying to like control her whole pregnancy by giving her the shakes and whatnot and pretending mm-hmm. like they actually care about her. And, like treating her like a child the whole time. Mm-hmm. Totally. And then yeah, like, like controlling that- her and yeah, yeah, like kind of everyone's constantly pulling her around by the arm. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. like leading totally. her from place to place and like I don't know. The control is so like dark, but always so like just bold faced. They're like, 
get up here, like leading her by the arm, yeah. like eat this, drink this, you know, wear, right. the, wear this, uh, and it, you know. And it's done with... Oh, sorry, I raped you. Like, yeah. It, <laughs> it's just, but it's also done with such a veneer of like, we're doing what's best for you and we're just trying yes. to help you. So it never comes across as like you're saying, of just like, here, go this way, go that way. Like the only person who's kind of like that is Dr. Saperstein, who like, he's mm-hmm. kind of, mm-hmm. he's kind of gruff, but he's also like, being charming in a way like when she goes to visit you know him kind of for the first time he's like yeah i'm sure you read that in a book somewhere well throw out your books books. yeah Yeah. right (laughs) yeah it's like and then or she thought she had because she was in so much pain i feel like the whole the last time when he did that was maybe right after their party where she kind of had this almost like mildly come to jesus moment of like i shouldn't feel like this this is insane i mean granted actually no, this that happened before but when she went and he's like she's like i was worried i had an ectopic pregnancy and which obviously at that point could have been a real concern mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but he's just like girls reading books <laughs> oh, <laughs> i told you not to do that well and it's like she's <laughs> she doesn't know whether to trust herself because she's never been through this before and right. she doesn't exactly. know how her body's gonna react how her brain's gonna react how her hormones are gonna react so she doesn't know whether to like she's suspicious of everyone, but she's also suspicious of herself. So she doesn't mm-hmm. know if she's a reliable narrator, narrator, you know, right. from our perspective, totally. I guess it's just like, it's just such a mind fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know I'm definitely breezing over a lot of stuff, but I think one of the next significant moments in this like twist is like when she does decide she's like, I think it was right after she was supposed to meet with Hutch is that she hosts a party. She's like, I'm kind of done with everyone. Like, like telling me what to do. I mm-hmm. want to do something for myself. I want some normalcy in my life. So she hosts a party and all of her friends come over. And this is where she starts getting into her head again. That she's like, I, I shouldn't feel like this. But, um, and so she decides that she's going to call Dr. Hill and try to get back in with him. A doctor that was like well-recommended or just like not go to Dr. Saperstein because mm-hmm. he clearly is not necessarily concerned about this idea that she could just be in pain the whole time. Um, so uh that night though she basically she had already stopped taking all of like the shakes and the pills or whatever that they were giving her and she all of a sudden from whatever she was eating that night started feeling better which this i think came off to me mildly confusing like almost as if maybe she there was like a spell on her i don't know if it was actually being inflicted through the things she was eating and she because she stopped taking that stuff and then all of a sudden it just felt too sudden versus like she's now having this epitome epiphany so now all of a sudden we like eh, we should actually stop hurting her so they're almost like um controlling her mind by just like mm-hmm. stopping the pain or like masking mm-hmm. it i don't know if you guys had any thoughts on that moment because all of a sudden she was happy again yeah. and okay with this pregnancy no, i'm, I'm kind of with you with that in that they they realized that she was pulling away you know, right. like they couldn't they couldn't use pain to control her anymore or else she was going to, you know, stop seeing Saperstein, stop doing everything else. So let's yeah, let whatever spell they were casting, let's end the you know, let's stop causing her pain with the spell. And uh, yeah, right. it's like we're almost going to like 
I, I mean, it's almost just going to drug her in a different way kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Which is like, I mean, that's the one thing we haven't, we haven't really talked about a lot because it's not very particularly pleasant to talk about, but like Roman Polanski is a full on rapist. Um, yep. and, uh, and literally like drugged women and raped them. So it mm-hmm. makes for a very, um, way too close to home comparison. Um, yeah. because there is a lot of this, like, um, physical and um, emotional manipulation through, you know, but like outside means, you know, she, they're essentially mm-hmm. even even when they're just psychologically like gaslighting or whatever you want to call it. There's just so many comparisons to make <laughs> between yeah. the way that. Yeah. Also, and this is just a totally sidebar thing, but in just like, I wanted to look up a little bit more up about like Mia Faro and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And she not, she, her history like becomes very interesting. Cause I, I didn't, she was married to Woody Allen for a period of time. Mm-hmm. So she overall has four biological children, but 15 kids. And one of the kids that she ended up adopting is Woody Allen's wife. Right. Mm-hmm. And I I was just like, oh, my gosh, this. And then I was reading a little bit further that at one point, like Mia Farrow ended up being like a very manipulative mother to her kids. And like this was there was a lot of like controversy and like drama around that. I just I just found this whole like this period of time, um, these young actors as well as like thinking about okay there's a connection around Polanski so people are exposed to like this bullshit going on or wonder if like something happened while the movie was going on that we don't um, really know about yeah, there, I don't well, know well there kind of like, was uh maybe yeah. not necessarily from Roman Polanski but at this time uh Mia Farrow was married to Frank Sinatra right and he was an abusive right. piece of shit as well yeah. right. and he was right. trying to he was trying to control like her life and career and I think wound mm-hmm. up serving her uh, diver- divorce papers while they are filming this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Insane. And then, insane stuff. And you have uh, the grooming kind of thing. Like she, she was a victim of that. And then, of mm-hmm. course, she probably went on to, you know, unfortunately... Um, you know, put that put that on her kids as well. Like not necessarily mm-hmm. from a sexual perspective, but like just the the manipulative nature of the people in totally. her life. It's just mm-hmm. you know she was, you know, people who people who have experienced abuse are exponentially more likely to to abuse others. You know, exactly. Yeah. No. Totally. Um. Jump back into this. Uh, the next thing I'll bring up so after we have all this we go through a basically a montage where rosemary is like kind of enjoying pregnancy she's like actually getting into it she's like not questioning anything but a few months later is when she finds out that her you know close friend hutch had passed away and while she's at the funeral she runs into in person this grace cardiff character who uh hands her this like wrapped package Um, but it was something Hutch wanted to give her and basically gave her a message that it's like, Hey, uh, it's an anagram. And she doesn't totally know if that means like the title of what, which we found to find out it's a book that's called all of them, Witches, which I'll also plug here, which is, I thought was a really cool connection with a band, all them, which is named after (laughs) this particular thing. And, And it's like one of my favorite bands. 
Um, but so she didn't know if it was the title of the book or something else, but there was a dog-eared page and it was a picture of Roman who the title of the picture said Stephen Mercado, which then came out to be Roman's full name as the, um, uh, the anagram for this whole situation. So she's like, now all of a sudden this whole reality versus like surreal situation she's in, she's like, I don't understand anything that's going on. She's learning about that. Oh my God, these people could be witches. Mm -hmm. And so she goes down a rabbit hole of this entire scenario. She doesn't believe anything anyone's telling her anymore. And she ends up trying to turn to Dr. Hill again to help. Uh, Dr. Hill eventually like brings her in, but he turns her basically back over to her husband. And it was Dr. Shapiro that mm-hmm. went or Saperstein that ended up coming to pick her up and was just like that was like for me like even more than the ending maybe the most chilling scene in the movie of like she's yeah. put all this trust into Dr. Hill mm-hmm. and you know got like essentially all this you know built up this courage to like ask somebody else for help and come to a place where she's believing herself Mm-hmm. that she's in danger and she has this trusted person. She finally goes to him. You're like, good for you. And then he just turns her right back over. And he makes her think that he's like, why would I think that you're crazy? Why would yeah. I yeah. not believe you? Yeah. Um, the only other like fun little Easter egg that uh, was put in this film was when the number that she called when she was in the phone book, it was like the N four was four, three, seven, seven, which would basically like spelling out hell. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I mean, not really. It's not like one of those like significant, but I thought it was cool. A little like little double hockey sticks, bro. (laughs) Yeah. Turn it upside down. It spells boobs. (laughs) I called the devil. (laughs) I knew the devil's number. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, so while she's getting taken back to the apartment, uh, she runs away and she gets away from them. But obviously the whole cult is now here. They catch her in the apartment. Basically they're like, Oh, baby's coming. Let's get this baby now. Um, you're like, Oh, I don't know if that's really how that works, but Hey, I don't, I don't question Satanists. Um, they say the baby's going to come. The baby's going to come. So, um, when she wakes up from this, uh, she's basically tone and told initially that the baby's fine. Everything's good. But I feel like one of these scenes probably could have been cut out a little bit of like, they could have, could have just said like, Hey, the baby died, but we find that out that there, she's told that the baby didn't survive. And now she's on bed rest, basically again, a controlling, trying to control her. She's basically pumping, um, breast milk, but, and that's being taken, but they, she doesn't know what's going on with it. She's, Mm -hmm. but she, again, she, because she's suspicious at this point, she doesn't believe anything. And she kind of thinks all these people are witches, which has no actual evidence. Um, you know, she stops taking the pills that they are giving her and she does end up hearing a cry. So she, when she asks Guy, who mentions that someone new moved upstairs, like, does she have a, do they have a baby? And he says, yes. And um, so again, it leads to more of her suspicion, which I think this next scene and I pretty much will keep this short and sweet of like wrapping this up is one of, I think, a really cool scene mm-hmm. because all of her disbelief is just actualized and she's still so taken back by this devil baby and she knows basically she now knows everything she says we now have adrian who is satan's child and satan chose you 
to be the mother of his baby and Roman's actively trying to convince her to be like a mother to this baby. And, you know, sitting there in disbelief, you're just like, wow, guys trying to come up and be like, see, they can kind of give us everything. I love the spitting in the face. Mm-hmm. Classic. Perfect. It's exactly what guy deserves. Yeah. Um, but she hears the baby crying and I, I just feel like it's such an interesting moment and a twist that maybe she would actually just put all of her disbelief of all this aside just to be a mother. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, outside of that, um, I think this movie does a great job of like certain shots that I feel like create more of these intimate moments between characters. Um, I don't know. Overall, I think it hits really well for this idea of satanic panic because I think there's just like so much disbelief around like, no, nah, none of this is real. And hey, guess what? Yeah. You get fucked by Satan, and that's real <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, that's some real life yeah. shit. No, it's real. Um, I mean, it's 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 too legit to quit. They the um the other thing that I like this scene at the end. You don't. It's one of those scenes where you don't want. Not, I don't know if you don't want to, but you're having trouble believing what's actually happening mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's like juxtaposed to everything else that was like logical in the movie, and you had essentially written not written her off, but like the evidence was leaning towards the fact that she was an unreliable narrator because you are following mm-hmm. her and everything's from her perspective, the whole movie. So you're, you're seeing all this unfold through her eyes, even the camera, like even when you, the whole movie, but even when you walk into the room at the end, you're looking over her shoulder. Right. So you're seeing everything from, from her perspective. And you have to remember that you have not seen anything supernatural up to this point well except for the eyes and the hand which were presented as a dream yeah they were Mm -hmm. presented as a dream but i and like i already said it was like one of the best film parts of the film but i also think Mm -hmm. it's the most unnecessary and it's the most hurting to the film yeah it's if they would have just left that out because because yeah then you get that you get that subtlety and you more affirm things as her being an unreliable narrative if it just went from her kind of passing out from the chocolate mousse to what waking up with scratches all over her body then you can kind of you don't have to assume that it was satan you can just Mm -hmm. assume that it was guy who you know uh, took advantage of her and scratched her up which is what he says which is what he says right 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 um what I also think, though, to that point is that so I question some of like what were like all the practical effects at that point, And like, was this like the best they could do? Because in theory, at the end, we could have totally seen the baby. But I feel like the fact that we didn't. So her looking at the baby, but again, could play into this idea of like disbelief. Mm-hmm. But she somehow does not recognize this child. And she's like his eyes, his eyes. Yeah. What, like, did what did you do to his eyes? Like? Yeah. yeah. I, right. I love that they don't show that at the end. I think it's great. Same. I think mm-hmm. that that. Makes the scene, and that's the most. I mean, that's the most, uh, uh, you know, affecting line in the movie, which was like, you know, what did you do to his eyes? And you're like, oh my god, am I about to see this? And then you don't, because you know, the lead up to seeing something is the scariest part rather than actually seeing it. So I love that they had that restraint there, but, um, 
I do wonder if like I, I kind of wish you wouldn't have saw all that. I don't know. I guess it's a balancing act. So I don't know if I would have what how I would have felt without the the seeing of the eyes earlier, yeah. you know, um, mm-hmm. in there. But then it becomes cartoonish in this last couple minutes it does. in a black comedy, like in a black comedy kind of way where he's like. What'd you do with his eyes? And you're like, oh my God, what's wrong with his eyes? Did they like do something to the baby or was it born like that? And then the guy, what's his name goes, he's got his father's eyes, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah. it's like a joke almost, you know what I mean? It's like but comical. I also, but I, I, I don't, and I don't think it's like weird though for the context of the film because of like, especially Minnie's character coming into the play, which it didn't, it didn't feel off to me because I always felt like Minnie and Roman kind of had this, like we already talked about eccentric mm-hmm. yeah uh, no i don't think it's out of place. To them. so yeah. yeah so when i saw that it, it didn't strike me as that but i kind of hear what yeah. you're saying but yeah i, I don't um, think it's out of place i think it's impactful uh, like i yeah. like it yeah. but it does go like full-on crazy yeah and, and like you're saying yeah. it right. gets a little bit more comedic because again so like uh rosemary's carrying around this giant butcher knife and she carries it mm-hmm. into the party and like uh, after, uh, you know, being calmed down and shocked or whatever it was. And she takes a seat, she drops the knife and it lands in the floor and just mm-hmm. a com- little bit of comedic acting. Minnie comes over, she picks up the knife, but then rubs the floor as the, yeah, as the to, check. To if it's smooth. Yeah. Over the smooth damage, over. Yeah. And then you have the, you have the other character in this scene as well, who I did we ever really see that other the 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 Asian man who's just there? I feel like no, we've never I, seen I, him. I, no, I just think he's part of the yeah. cult. Which is that was going to be my point is that I feel like in this scene you finally get the full spectrum of who they are and how mm-hmm. they are. So I I find it interesting because like you're like oh now I know what this cult is all about. It's like very communal because I saw that I thought I was about to mention the Asian guy too it's like oh no this is a celebration they're here saying here here to the you know new dark lord of sorts even still though he sticks out like a sore thumb because everybody else is old and white (laughs) and then he has his like everybody's kind of saying hell satan but then he has his own where he almost like just throws his arms up it just screams (laughs) it in her ear hell satan like Hell Satan. Yeah. And he just keeps yelling it like at almost inopportune moments yeah. in the background. Yeah. A little and then bit. he's like got it. He, like mildly racist right. that he's the one with yeah. the camera. I was gonna say that too. Yeah. Like he has the he has the racist tourist stereotype of like, I'm gonna take yeah. pictures yeah. of this crazy baby. You seen this shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's weird though, because like or I don't well, it's weird. It's this is the part where obviously everything is confirmed. Mm-hmm. And up until this point, you've Again, you're empathizing with Rosemary and you're like, you feel like she is uh, um, not only within her apartment, not only with the, um, you know, people in her lives, like her, her, you know, the people in the building and her husband and all that, but also just in the city as well. Like when she's out in the city, you feel like she's in like a prison, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you feel like she's an inmate the whole time. Mm -hmm. And even when she's like outside and stuff, it feels like she's just like, you know, out on like exercise in the yard or something. You know what I mean? Like I just can't, it always reminds me. She's not out all the time either. So yeah, no, it just reminds me of an in like an inmate film. Like she's just like, and then all of a sudden whenever everything is confirmed, all her suspicions are confirmed. Now you're like, Oh, she was like, she was like held captive. You know what I mean? Essentially. Mm -hmm. And and like a good, a good example of that is the scene where she's trying to call Dr. Hill to get that first uh, meeting. 
and she's in the mm-hmm. phone booth and just in the background there's just some giant dude blocking yeah. blocking the phone booth and then he's replaced yeah. essentially with another guy but that guy just wanted to use the phone like yeah, yeah like i don't think that i don't think those two guys were the same people even though they're both wearing like brown suits it's just but mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. something to fuck with you like oh what no right <laughs> Yeah, I think it definitely does a great job throughout the entire thing of bringing in that psychological horror element and stuff with stuff like that that you're talking about. Obviously, then the gaslighting, but things that just the idea of how much disbelief you ha- you then start questioning throughout the entire film as well. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I I was reading about this and and I know it's like a big part. It's it's like one of those things. I even remember when I when I watched this movie for the first time. It's like in. Uh, um, I think I was in uh, college in like a history of motion picture class and they were talking about um, the representation of her physical transformation in the movie. Like that's a thing mm-hmm. that that like film students and stuff really like to talk about with this movie is like, you know, she, her, she cuts her hair, mm-hmm. right? She goes with this mm-hmm. like pixie cut kind of thing that she's like that Mia Farrow is like kind of a little bit famous for as well. But, um, you know, the kind of Vidal Sassoon type of look, you know, that she, (laughs) that she mentions. Um, but you don't, it's very hard to interpret. And I've been back and forth on what the director's goal was about that physical transformation and what it should manifest within her character Mm -hmm. and is it like Mm -hmm. is it this like feminist thing of like you know bucking the 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 uh you know the conformity that the patriarchy is uh you know demanding um which is obviously represented by her husband primarily Mm -hmm. where he's like i don't like it you're you're too uppity or whatever you know he's being a dickhead the whole time or is it more like a condemnation of like <laughs> feminism well, and I, its individuality. I, was, I don't know. I'm curious though, too, is because I kind of saw it as one of the first times because it was right after she was pregnant, if I remember correctly, when that happened, is that it was like the first control point that she was able to have in the scene. Right. And it was still, and so I kind of looked at it as like her trying to like kind of take back that or like kind of still create a reality around the situation. If yeah. that's a stretch or not, but no, that's, that's kind of how, how I always took it. it. That's the same way I've always taken it. Is like it's like this. She's rejecting, you know, society's, you know, take on femininity and this like weird infantilizing thing. Because like early in the movie, like she dresses like a little kid. It's really right. creepy, especially she with talks the, about it like the Polanski like aspect it, yeah. of it. Yeah, she's like pigtails yeah. and these like dresses that she looks like a child mm-hmm. and it's really creepy. But now she's pregnant too and now it's, so it's like almost this like transformation of like from when she was not pregnant to when she pregnant Well, yeah, too. So and then so a, I don't know if that was a choice there where maybe it was more a mature haircut too, you know? That's maybe how I always took it. It's like this is her awakening or like her taking ownership of like her body and her sexuality and 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 all this stuff and like society's pushing back on it, but she's standing up to it. That's how I always took it. But I guess there's like a whole nother group of people. I think a lot of people take it that way. But then there's a whole nother group of people that like interpret it more as like this um, misogynistic thing of like her basically like being selfish. And that's when like 
the the bad things happen. I don't know. Huh. I, I, I didn't read too mm. much into it, but I, I always thought that was very counterintuitive from how what I took from the movie. But well, then again, now that you know Polanski and all this stuff, you're like, well, maybe yeah. he is a fucking asshole. Yeah. I don't know. Well, two significant people in her life both were like, "You look terrible," and she brushed it off too. Yeah, yeah. You which know, I always thought as an empowering thing. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if I took it as that as more like we just it wasn't addressed and I feel like it could have been. Yeah. I don't know, Steve. Did you have an opinion? You seem like you're about to say something. I took it as some of the worst product placement possible. Well, it's just weird because they it's Vidal Sassoon. Yeah, she named yeah. she name drops it twice and Vidal Sassoon gets a credit in the beginning of the film. So yeah. <laughs> it's very yeah. odd. But yeah, it, yeah, yeah, I yeah, I don't see the the misogynist angle. You know, I and I mm. guess I I haven't read that take that you're talking about, Brian. That the mm. I haven't read that other one. I just took it kind of face value as like, yeah, she she was just taking control of her life and just you know preparing herself the way she wanted to for her pregnancy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's what I got, guys. Um, overall, I really enjoyed rewatching this movie too. I, I only watched it for the first time a few years ago. And uh, from the moment I saw it, I was just like, I was, I was pretty hooked. I was like, this had a lot of, I, I felt, I felt so much while watching it. So I was like, they did a really great job with like character development and the interactions and making you feel things along the way. And just like also in a state of like, I don't know what's real. And it, I don't know, it makes you just really, I think like dive into it and get invested. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. And Mia Farrow's great performance, like that, that's like an iconic, obviously, genre performance. I, uh, this is a movie, this is one of those movies where you watch it or you watch another movie that was heavily influenced by it and you can tell immediately that it was. Sure. You know what I mean? Because it's such a weirdly unique work that when you see something, about it like i watched uh oh my gosh starry eyes do you ever see oh yeah starry eyes like Mm -hmm. yeah that is so heavily influenced by this like i was sitting there thinking of like i can name like probably six or eight movies that are i wouldn't say ripoffs but just like heavily influenced by this movie Mm -hmm. um and and it's one of those ones because it's pretty unique it becomes pretty evident when that's the case so i mean there's a lot of movies like that you know the thing obviously we already talked about Mm -hmm. is one of those but um yeah yeah i mean every every 80 slasher is uh you know influenced by halloween so all right guys uh we is there we is at the end of the of, of the flicky so we have to establish, I guess, first of all, is there is there any other comments we want? I, I feel this is a unique scenario in that we all are fans of all three movies. We all enjoyed and didn't have a lot bad to say. So we're not not a whole lot of tearing each other's movies down. Like I, I'm mm-hmm. personally yeah. having a, a lot of struggle coming up with negative things about these movies. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I said, yeah, Prince of Darkness, like I, I maybe kind of wish it was a bigger movie and like like meg's movie was like directed by a rapist so that's a thing and like i (laughs) no i'm not putting on Mm -hmm. it's a great movie i'm just kidding um but like there you know otherwise it's tough these are all like pretty Mm -hmm. classic movies unless i'm missing something here um i just i mean i i have a few the only film i came up with like really negative things about that weren't Roman Polanski being a rapist was like, there's just some things in Rosemary's baby, just like tonally. And there is like some bad editing 
just like straight up bad editing mm. that I noticed. But mm. <laughs> like, see, I didn't mm. pay too close enough to the attention. I was really paying attention to the cinematography and the shots mm-hmm. and the the, yeah. the long, long. There's so many long shots yeah. in this. See, I, I, mm-hmm. I'm I'm also like not super impressed with the cinematography in this film compared to the other two. Mm. Like okay. it's it's mostly inside, you know. In, in the uh, with the exception of like on the street stuff on the street stuff's interesting but all the inside apartment stuff just feels like very flat and like yeah they're long takes a lot of the time but it, it just like it's flat it's not terribly interesting to look at uh compared to like the mm. way the the omen has like so many great shots of like focus being changed from inside the back inside to out like the way gregory peck is standing very close in the foreground and you just see like horrific shit in the background uh you know especially like the decapitation scene like the guy jennings's head is just sitting in the background and he has to turn from it (laughs) such a cool scene like that like the omen is a much more interesting film to look at i feel like yeah, you know, hmm. just be- just because it's like Indiana um, Jones and <laughs> it's all over the place, and it, you see, like you're you're shooting from on top of churches as a guy is running through a field from the Satan wind, you know? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's weird. Um, I don't know. I guess I I guess I don't need that from Rosemary's Baby a mm-hmm. lot. Like for whatever reason, we should obviously. A very very attractive person but like that the performance and like she i don't know i'm just i'm i, I feel like my eyes are always on yeah pharaoh in, in this you know what i, I mean i i find you i really actually appreciate your perspective steve too because i feel like you're coming at it from like you're seeing things that brian and i probably won't see or definitely not me um because i almost but because the way i saw some of those longer scenes though is like almost like it felt more tense along the mm-hmm. way, like because of the scenes were longer and that was my interpretation of it, but that was yeah. about it. Um, but yeah, are we ready to start voting? Do I get to choose? The- you choose the order. Yeah. Yeah. You choose mm-hmm. the order in which we vote. So we get our first vote. All right. Um, Steve first. I mean, obviously we're not going to change. We never do. <laughs> right. I think it's only ever happened one yeah. time. Um, which, you know what? This is one where I, 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 I I I would be lying if I didn't say I, I thought about it as we were going, but no, I I, I do think I'm going to stick with my yeah. my mm-hmm. with the omen is my favorite of the three. Yeah. yeah, not my favorite, but I think it's the best movie. Right. Yeah, yeah. I get you. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I I like a lot of bad movies, right. <laughs> like really genuinely bad movies. Some of them are my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, for uh, for me, like I did just say all those kind of negative things about Rosemary's Baby, but I think like where that film hangs its shingle is on the acting because, you know, Mia Farrow is great. John Cassavetes is an amazing actor. He's in my favorite episode of Columbo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that should not sway your judgment. I don't know. It may, may not. Who knows? <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the four kind of main characters that you're interacting with, with the the Mia Farrow, John Cassavetes and the, the Cassavet uh, couple, you know, they're all fantastic actors. You can see them do little things throughout every scene. Um, I just feel like uh, this is Roman's first, I think it's his first American feature horror film and whatever it was, there's just like so many other things that kind of fall apart for me. 
it, you know, it, it's just, like I said, I, I find it kind of visually not super interesting. Um, there's just like a lot of weird editing mistakes that bugged me. And the, the whole dream sequence, even though I like it, I feel like they should remove it to make it a stronger film to reinforce that uh, just un unsuspecting narrative because like after i see it mm. i'm all i i mean i immediately just take it face value that yeah she was raped by satan like why why would you so why would you show somebody raped by satan unless they were you know it's not mm. i don't know it doesn't read any yeah it doesn't read as like a mystery whereas like if you have if you leave that out it becomes a lot more mysterious because everything else has a veneer of like niceness to it it, it, it becomes mm-hmm. hard to prove so yeah and then yeah. the ending doesn't feel quite right tonally because it does take that odd comedic turn you know when you're trying to like wrap up everything else so uh the omen though despite its soundtrack being so wildly in your face <laughs> <laughs> like you have to turn the volume yeah. down almost at yeah times. it's gets a bit much i i yeah. feel like it's a lot more coherent and it's it's crazily visually uh and it's you know spawned so many other fucking uh you know derivative things as far as satanic movies go um but yeah just i, I think richard donner fucking knocks it out of the park and gregory peck carries the film you know even though he's on the screen most of the time but like he carries it david warner is a great character actor and everybody else around them you know isn't terrible at all and it's just a it's a lot more coherent film that has a a greater amount of tension i feel and that's why Mm -hmm. i choose omen second Hmm, interesting all right meg what's gonna happen next you want me to go next yeah. Okay. Um, I uh, was kind of back and forth on this because I really like both of these movies, but I I like when people take big swings, and Rosemary's Baby feels like a um a big idea or not not a big idea, a small idea that they kind of like expand out upon. And I, and I like the, I always like the unreliable narrator and the, the, Oh, are we seeing it through her eyes? Are we seeing the reality of what's happening? I like all that. I I mean, again, it's a, it's a, it's a great movie. It's a classic, but I just appreciate the underdog story and the fact that, um, the underdog story in the fact that people don't appreciate Prince of Darkness nearly as much as they do. Like it's such a fun movie and Mm -hmm. I don't know why more, I don't know why it isn't on TV every five seconds around, you know, especially around Halloween time, like so many other movies that are not nearly as good are. And I like that John Carpenter, I enjoy the sensibility of him going, I'm going to explain everything in the script. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I know he didn't, you know, write the, the whole story, you know, the whole story solo or whatever, but I just like the idea of like demystifying things and, and like showing me what 
is happening and it doesn't make it less scary. It just makes it kind of more complex. Um, so for that reason, uh, I'm, I'm going Prince of Darkness. I don't know that that was a, that big of a surprise because I fucking <laughs> love that movie. And, and I, I already said you it. Chosen. I already said it was my number one pick. Yeah. So I kind of let the cat yeah. out of the bag there. Just, just, um, a, just a thought about like why it isn't on TV all the time is uh mm. this he uh john carpenter made this film independently because oh really yeah, because like the film before it wasn't a box office smash so like he had to make this film independently and mm. uh then they live was made independently of the same so i don't know if there's some sort of rights issue because you don't see they live on tv too much either I feel like I don't, um, but you see it more than this, yeah. I guess. Like, I don't know if you're seeing it on like AMC or anything, but yeah, I get, I don't know. I don't know why I have it in my head that I've seen it on TV maybe years and yeah. years ago. Yeah. Maybe it was on TNT a bit more because they had the Roddy mm -hmm. Piper, but I don't know. Well, and I feel like I saw it on, I, I definitely saw it on monster vision mm -hmm. or whatever it was. Cause I remember seeing Joe Bob Briggs. Host that's what I'm probably remembering with Rowdy with Roddy yeah. Piper on as a yeah, guest. That's what yeah. I'm remembering. Yeah. But without further ado, Meg, how do we end this? Oh, I was already playing juice Prince of darkness. You oh. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I honestly, I don't really have much to say because I mean, with the omen it was my first watch, but, um, I found myself a little bit more bored watching it. I will give it another shot because especially after hearing both of you guys talk about it, but I didn't necessarily feel that way. So I was like, what did I miss? What was I too bored to like pay attention to? Mm -hmm. It was not a bad movie though. I didn't walk away saying it was a bad movie because I think all around we had good picks this month, but yeah. yeah. So I had a lot, I had too much fun and I obviously love John Carpenter and like, you know, I was kind of sold, I think, from watching it before even watching The Omen. So sorry, Brian. I apologize. Listen, I ain't mad. I love this movie. I already said it was my number one, <laughs> it was my number one pick and Steve yeah. snaked it. So I'm not mad about I'm not mad about Steve Rat fucking me and taking this movie. But <laughs> Meg brought um, about her own downfall because she could have chose this movie, but instead she gave it to me. I know I could have. She gave it to me. Well, I, know, <laughs> I hadn't seen Prince of Dark. I hadn't seen oh, Prince of Darkness. Oh, you had it. Oh, okay. I mean, oh. no. So that's why I don't want to pick it. I was just like, looking at familiar films, I could have just said, fuck you both and yeah. chose it. Not having watched just it. Just knowing we like yeah. it. Yeah. It's like when you like see that cake, you're like, I don't really love coconut cream pie, but there's one piece left and I don't want anybody yep. else to have it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, now you but have hey, that strategy um, you know, going forward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? Lesson learned. Well, I, I'll ask this then. So this this settles it, right? So going into October, going into the Super Bowl of spooky season, guys, um, or horror in general, I guess, Steve is going to carry that motherfucking strap into the John Carpenter showdown for October. That said, Steve, do you have a punishment film lined up for our next miniseries or something? I that do. You I do. You do. I do. You do. Yeah. What is it? So we did all this Satan stuff. So I think it's time we do a little reverse Satan. And I okay. want to go back to the year 1999 <laughs> and visit a little film that is based in Pittsburgh, PA called Stigmata. Oh, oh god all right i don't all know right. if i'd actually be upset about that movie i it's remember liking it when fine. i was younger it's fine halle berry is that no, the halle berry no. one no. Wait, what am I thinking You're thinking of, of Gothica. 
gothic no, no, no. I'm thinking of. Yeah, Stigmata. Okay, boy. Yeah. Why am I blanket? I mean, I know the I know the movie. I'm like, I can. It's feel the like- blonde haired chick who has blue eyes and kind of just naturally looks like a vampire. Right. Oh, why am I Patricia kind of blanking on Stigmata? <laughs> Oh, okay. All right. All right. Uh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Patricia Arquette is afflicted by uh, yeah, a stigmata. She's an atheist. And then, you know, but there's also devil stuff in it. So, yeah, it's a it's a interesting film. Oh, I'm seeing it yeah, now. Yeah. yeah, yeah now yeah, he remembers yeah. it. I remember it yeah. now. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. definitely thinking of Gothica. Yeah. But it's, it's got Patricia Arquette and Gabriel Byrne. Gabriel Byrne rules. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, what, remember the guys, he has such a familiar face mm-hmm. that I forget what else he's yeah. in, but he was good. I like yeah, that. so we'll check that one out, and I Ooh. believe it's on the Tubi, so... Ooh, Tubi, eh? Yeah, everybody can visit us there. One more note before we head in the John Carpenter showdown round two. I'm looking for redemption mm-hmm. because I believe this happened to me last year. I went in champ and I lost because I got goddamn shit ass mm-hmm. movie. <laughs> <laughs> we all got shit ass movies in, uh, in, yeah. in, in our defense. Um, yeah. So, guys, we got a, some spooky ooky shit coming up here in the coming minisodes. We've got several uh, minisodes in addition to one more showdown episode um, through uh, now through Halloween. And then, you know what? Right after that, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I love me some holiday horror, uh, whether it be uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas. But, you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves. All I'm saying is stay tuned, you bitches, uh, even after spooky season, because we got a lot of good ass shit coming on uh, down the pike for us. So tune in for some spooky shit in the coming weeks. Uh, go watch yourself some 1999 stigmata ahead of next week's minisode. And uh, and we will reconvene back here on Monday for another motherfucking mini show, guys. Anything else I'm forgetting? No. I don't think so. All right, boys and ghouls, thank you for joining us. Uh, as always, for the Halloween is Forever crew, I'm Brian. I'm Meg. I'm Champ. See you, bitches. <laughs> Bye. Bye.